Sable, coming in. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Just listen, if I could, wanted to get one word with you for just a second before this. Oh yeah, there she is. Sable, listen, could you give the world a brief, no pun intended, description of the bikini that you're gonna be wearing tonight? Well, you know, King, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. Yeah. How about a little preview? A little preview? Yes, yes, a little preview. What? Oh, we're gonna get a little preview. <laughs> You're on my cord, you idiot. Come on. Oh. Whoa. Oh my gosh. What are we? Whoa. Whoa. It's, it's Sable's top. This is Sable's top. Okay. Yes. A little peek for me? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Questions. Are you? The answers lie within one man's tortured soul. The ramifications, however, are far broader. For what if blood does indeed run thicker than water? Will Stone Cold Steve Austin survive the hellish reunion? Will mankind be adopted or left abandoned? Will Mr. McMahon become the patriarch of the family? And what if the Undertaker's contempt for his brother still poisons his soul? Will he and Stone Cold temper their animosities towards one another and stand side by side as champions? Will Mr. McMahon be able to stomach an ungodly union between two defiant renegades, both hell-bent on destroying the very foundation of the empire he has so desperately tried to preserve? Questions. The Undertaker just nailed Kane! But did he intend to hit Austin? Tonight, the questions will be answered. But will the answers themselves become questions? My diamond ain't frozen. Ooh, pocket loan. Diamond chain ain't glowing. Ooh, and they showing. Money, I'm a thot. Ooh, watch me block. Come shit when I bought. Ooh, that you can't afford. Yeah, loaded, loaded, loaded. Drama, car, like it's stolen Wipe my nose, I'ma blow it Watch cause 81,000 like Terrell on Count up, all these chicks I'ma flex on my ex Smoke gas, lost my breath Long as I'm loaded, I'ma flex Loaded, loaded, loaded Loaded. You live with your mother, ay, so I call you Jody Bombay Vibes, loaded, 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 loaded Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young And Patrick, here we are, the superstar shakeup has occurred So we are now building to next year's Wrestlemania The road to next year's Wrestlemania, we thought 
we had gotten off, but we we're getting right back on to the yeah. road to WrestleMania. So it's bumper to bumper traffic. It never ends. It never fails. You're always on the road to WrestleMania. It just depends on how close to the exit you really are. Right. It's a never-ending road. It's a never-ending road. Following up on our conversation about WrestleMania last week, our friend Savon, who lives in New Jersey, I asked him about his experience leaving the event, and he had his own car, so he was able to drive to the stadium. Awesome. And he said people were so desperate that they were coming up to him offering money for rides. That's how desperate they were to wow. get transportation out of there. Wow. But that he had he had an easy ride yeah. in and out, so... Good for him. He was one of the lucky ones. But if I was him, I would have taken the money. I would have been one of those guys. Well, you're a greedy person. Absolutely. So, So, we'll start by recapping the superstar shakeup. They used to call these things drafts. They don't do it in draft form anymore, and I miss the draft. I wish they would do it in draft form, really, because I don't like the just showing up. Without explanation. Right, yeah. It's just kind of, oh, well, they're here finally. Well, why? Who who picked them? Who decided for why, them to show up? Why are tag teams broken up? Why do you want some tag teams together? Just any explanation. No more no more boss hug connection. I'm very upset about. No that. more Rude and Gable the the robe connection. I'm happy that that shit's gone. No more Riot Squad. So no more sanity. A lot of groups getting broken up in no the more Superstar Riot Squad. That's shake true. Up. Son of a bitch. Here's who Raw got from both SmackDown and NXT. They got AJ Styles, who this is the first time he's come over to Raw since the original re-brand split back uh, after WrestleMania 30 or whatever it was. So a long time coming for AJ to be back on Raw. Yeah. Then they got The Miz, who comes over in every draft. He switches brands every year. I think Miz will do great. Unfortunately, they didn't move Baron, Bobby Lashley... Or Drew McIntyre. So those three main heels that you see every single week on Raw are still there. I would have moved Baron. Definitely. He would have been... I would have bet money that he was going after Monday's episode, which I only saw the results of. Like I said, I I can't do Raw anymore. I just can't do it for right now. I'll come back later. Ricochet and Aleister Black are officially members of the Raw roster. And then the controversial call-up from NXT... Uh, They were called the War Raiders, but now they are the Viking Experience, Eric and Ivar. See, the War Raiders, they had a chance. The Viking Experience, they are not going anywhere. I think we're making too much of this name change. It's a major name change. Nobody wants to be like, listen, I'm with the Viking Experience. Not only that, they had their own personal names changed as well. So it's a complete... They were Hanson and Roe, the War Raiders. Yeah. Now they are Eric and Ivar, the Viking Experience. A total repackaging overnight. And they still have the NXT tag titles as well. When they go to NXT to defend them, are they the War Raiders or are they just the Viking Experience? That's a good question. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but not a good start. Technically, the War Raiders, because the Viking experience is not put in the books as being champions. That's a good point. Oh, you can't change your name after you win the belt? No. Oh, I didn't know that. Official Patrick rulebook of WWE. Yes. I think they'll be fine, but this does hurt them quite a bit right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Andrade from SmackDown Live, and he will have great matches against like Seth Rollins. I can't wait to see him and AJ, which they were on SmackDown together anyway, but a lot of great matchups for Andrade, which also includes Zelina Vega. So they're keeping Aleister Black and his wife on the same brand, which was nice of them. Rey Mysterio from SmackDown Live, Jimmy and Jay Uso, and Naomi. So they didn't separate another husband I'm, and wife. I'm glad to see Rey back. The Usos definitely, definitely 
needed to have been on Raw. Oh, the Raw tag division needed way before this. Way before this. Yeah, the Raw tag division was in the shits. Yeah. It was way worse than SmackDown. And SmackDown isn't much better, but True. Raw was really bad. They also got EC3, who has just been who, who his killed. career his career started and ended <laughs> in the same night. That's it. It's done. You can never take him as a valid pro wrestler anymore after what just happened to him. No, Braun threw him through the set on Monday. Yeah. But this is on top of week after week, not being able to speak, so he's a mute of some sort. Yes. He loses. He yes. d- he jobs on main event. I think he lost to, like, Tyler Breeze a few weeks ago. Lacey Evans is on Raw, which she is uh, Becky's first challenger, so I am sense. so thrilled to see her in the ring and be doing something more than just walking out, waving and smiling and walking back. I just hope in order to build Becky as a legit champion that she just runs right through Lacey the first time out. Really? I do, yeah. Because Lacey is a very talented athlete and a very good pro wrestler. She hasn't had a televised match in quite some time, and so I just... True. But she definitely is Vince McMahon's vision of what a female wrestler would look like. Big, muscular, blonde. Yeah. So, And then Eric Young, the breakup of Sanity occurred as Eric Young is now a single star again. And they called up Cedric Alexander from 205 Live. And that is your Raw additions. On SmackDown, the big dog, Roman Reigns, was the big announcement on SmackDown. Which, in preparation for their move to Fox, made sense to me that they were going to do that. But it kind of upset me that they broke up him and the Usos. Because, like I told you, I just think he does better in groups than as a single star. I, mean, I don't think he's he's very good in groups either. I think he's the weak link all the way around. And that's going to piss a lot of people off. But that's truly how I feel. And it's nothing against the man. I just feel like he has quickly become the five moves of doom like Cena or Kevin Nash. He just runs in there. He hits a spear. He hits a jumping fist. He'll hit a... uh, The drive-by. The drive-by. That's what I was thinking of what it's called. And boom, that's it. Go home. His character doesn't have a lot of depth to it. It's kind of, what are you exactly? I'm still trying to learn what the big dog is. He's the only one that has not moved away from the shield. I know. He kept the theme song. He kept the vest. He he used to keep the crowd entrance before he got groped. So, yeah, he was stuck in shield mode. He's the original shield, or the only remaining <laughs> shield. He will carry the shield. He is the shield. Uh, I, I don't know, dude. I really don't. It just is very Well, I just think it's weird. strange that he, in some strange universe, we might see world champion Kofi Kingston against Roman Reigns. This match, I mean, if it were to happen... Eventually, just seems very strange to me. This Kofi is, has to run through it. They're both good guys, so they're, they're not going to meet anytime soon. Well, they don't so. have hardly any heels on SmackDown. That's true. Well, they're, they're working on that a little bit because they got Elias, Patrick. Elias, your favorite, the singer-songwriter. I do like Elias a lot. And he, apparently he's Vince's favorite as well. Yes, I mean, he was the major announcement by Vince before yeah. Roman Reigns interrupted. Which also made not a lot of sense that Roman Reigns... Again, if they just offered some explanation as to why Roman Reigns was there. Well, I loved that they had Elias set and ready and posed and propped to catch Vince as soon as he took this punch. Have you? Did you see it? 
I've seen the replay of yes, it. Yes, he is on his, he's on one knee, sitting there with his hands open to literally catch this seventy something year old man as he takes a punch so he doesn't fall and I'm assuming break a hip or something along those lines. I'm not sure. But I thought it was extremely funny. They receive Finn Balor, the Intercontinental Champion. So Finn Balor's been on Raw his entire run, but just that injury right out of the gate. This and, is this is the worst thing for him. I truly believe. Well, that. to be on the same roster with Roman Reigns, it's like if you're on, they're both baby faces. Like if you can't have Seth Rollins, AJ, and Finn Balor in a triple threat match, then I don't see why in the world you would even want to watch one particular brand. And we keep getting hints of it whenever it comes around. Like, oh, well, AJ's on SmackDown or Finn Balor's on SmackDown with AJ or whatever. But this was the this was it. Just you brought AJ over. Don't fuck with it. We could get it. And they fucked with it. I, I feel like that's the triple threat match that everybody wants to see. They didn't mention this, but Samoa Joe had the flu. So I assume that he's going to go to Raw because I don't think they'll have both mid-card belts on SmackDown, so Samoa Joe to Raw. Also on Raw, I skipped over it, but Sami Zayn is Raw and Kevin Owens is SmackDown. We have Bailey going to SmackDown without the, the newest member of the New Day, Kevin Owens. That's right. He filled in for Big E. He was the Big O. He's the Big O. And the Big O is, I, do you believe the Big O is here to stay? I believe the Big O is uh, going to stick around for a little while and turn into a heel because he's Kevin Owens. Like There's I just something like, about him that you always feel like he could be a great baby face. Oh, but like, but a huge baby face. But he's just dastardly. Yes. He's just, yes. You, know, you know, I almost thought they were going to turn him that very night. Like, oh, yeah. I thought during the match he's going to turn on him or whatever. But here's what I think, and I truly believe this. They're going to put... The three of them together. And the big O is going to be with them. And then they're like three weeks out from SummerSlam. The big O turns. And the big O attacks Kofi. And it's Kofi and versus the big O. And the New Day powers explode. I was thinking maybe Big E returns and then you have the New Day explode. First you get past the big O. Then you get to the big E. We get down all the big letters of the alphabet <laughs> for Kofi Kingston this year. <laughs> Uh, we got Bailey who left Sasha behind, which we don't know if she'll return ever again, so she is on SmackDown now. Kyrie Sane, who came up and is now part of a tag team with Asuka and now managed by Paige on SmackDown. That is a good move because she should have been on the main roster years ago. Lars Sullivan, so the Beast, they can't have Braun and Lars on the same show, so they move Lars to SmackDown. Buddy Murphy was promoted from 205 Live. Liv Morgan was taken from the Riot Squad, so they're done. Chad Gable was taken, so Rude and Gable are done. Apollo Crews, so Titus Worldwide is done. And Mickey James, the uh, Monday Night MILF, is no more. She is on SmackDown. She's so. the Tuesday Night MILF doesn't have quite the same ring to it but there you go Those... were they calling her that live on tv because if they were that's great i, read, I, I, I read, haven't seen her on I, tv in a while i read it on twitter i don't know if she had been working main event and like the crowd was calling her that or if it's just <laughs> twitter talk i don't i don't know but that is your superstar shakeup, which feels really lackluster i hate oh, to say man. it I, the brands cross over so much it was dragging bad we needed a big huge wow factor and I don't think we got it. 
Well, I think a lot of people expected to see uh, the Undisputed Era called up, but that did not happen. And that would have been a big talker. That would have been... Well, Insanity broke up. Well, I mean, Sanity hadn't been used for years, and of course the Viking experience, so they were making no friends with wrestling fans during the Superstar shakeup. But they're going to have to do a lot of work uh, to get these ratings up. Year over year, Raw was down 25%. SmackDown had a terrible number, like 2.2 million or something. Just today, we're recording this on Friday, April 19th, I read online that Fox has renewed Last Man Standing, the Tim Allen sitcom that is on Friday nights. Well, guess what that show does? That show does about 4 million viewers. So when SmackDown goes to Friday nights, their expectation is going to be 4 million people. And uh, they've got some work to do. And I think their debut episode, they might get 4 million people. But uh, with this current roster that they've got assembled, especially, yeah, they are so light on heels on SmackDown. Man, they need help bad. I don't I don't know what, <laughs> but I don't have an answer for it. I don't have an answer for either show, really. Well, I think Raw is too long. I think Raw is bad booking, and they should have broken up those three heels that I talked about. Lashley and McIntyre and... Baron Corbin. I think positives out of this, I believe, is Liv Morgan is going to start shining on her own. I really believe that. Becky Lynch is going to start shining on her own. And Rude, man. Bobby Rude. Finally. I think Chad Gable also will be. See, I think he's going to he's gonna go right back into the crapper. Well, just because he's small. But yeah. he's a great wrestler. I'm not saying he's not, but he just... They they have nothing for him. Well, I think the same thing with Apollo Crews. It's like... Yeah. They've had nothing for him since day one, so... Right. He's a great look, but he's just too small. And they're in their eyes. And so, I just don't think he's going to prosper. We'll just have to see how this all shakes out. My initial reaction to the shake-up was... Eh. Meh. I don't, something. I don't like Elias not being on Raw. That that really did upset me. Because Elias, I think, was probably one of the biggest heels Raw had. Well, and I think on a longer show like Raw, when you apparently need to fill time, because you can't do wrestling matches, Patrick, I think he's a better act on Raw than on a yeah. two-hour SmackDown show. Yeah, I think that was, that was the wrong choice for them to make. But that's what happened, so... Uh, we'll see if Samoa Joe does go to Raw. I think that's going to happen. But outside of that, I think these are the, the moves. The hand puppet popping out of the box. Oh, of course, yeah. I think Bray needs to go to SmackDown since they're so light on heels. The hand puppet popping out of the box. Who do you think it is? Well, you said on the last episode it was Luke Harper, but apparently not, Patrick. It's not because Luke Harper asked for his release. Right. He he is publicly stated he asked for his release. He has not been granted it by the company yet. This is the same thing it's, that uh, Ty Dillinger did. Well, and he didn't he's not leaving on bad terms at all. He he literally thanked them for the opportunity and hopefully in some day and time they can work together again, but as of right now, he doesn't think that they have anything for him, and he would like to search elsewhere or would like to just go home. You know, who knows? Another guy not had any uh, luck on the God, roster. man, and he's such a great wrestler, too. He really, he's a lot better than Eric Rowan. Had his injury not taken longer than Rowan's had, I think he could have been the the lackey of Daniel Bryan. He could have been in that position. Oh, he would have been great for that, yeah. Right, so, but Rowan ended up getting that getting that gig. And now, uh, by the way, Daniel Bryan out with an undisclosed injury, so he wasn't 
on SmackDown. We don't know what's going on with that. Also, uh, Sheamus has a concussion, so there's a couple injury updates there for some SmackDown superstars. Well, uh, Ronda out with her uh, hand. She had surgery on Tuesday for it. So, and she had posted a picture on Instagram that with a hashtag of her and her husband like on a beach somewhere kissing and the hashtag was impregnation vacation. So, it appears that Rhonda is going to start a family and her timetable for a return is unknown, but apparently she did sign a 3-year deal well, so I'm, she'll I'm gonna be... go with about nine to ten months I mean, <laughs> at, the minimum, <laughs> at the minimum i think I that's would... the timetable it takes i mean i could be wrong i'm just saying well uh yeah but who knows after that how if she even wants to come back so true uh that's what's going on with ronda rousey uh but back to the hand puppet the dinosaur dead zombie chicken whatever the, the cardboard box puppet yes. yes who do you think it is i think it's bray wyatt Okay, I think it's a new Wyatt family. And I think I read this online, and I truly think it's a brilliant idea. And if they do it, it is great. Because I think you're going to have Eric Young, Nikki Cross, and Bray Wyatt. That's great. That is a great triple pairing. They care so little about Nikki Cross, they still didn't assign her a brand. And Eric Young has been assigned to Raw... And I just think that they need Bray on SmackDown, so I gotta vote against really? that, that happening. I just think it's a new version of Bray. I think that's all it is. A new version of the same old Bray Wyatt, basically. I mean, it's definitely shot in the same style of his promos, with it cutting to a close-up of the chicken puppet thing. Well, the, the coughing into... Or the laughing into coughing makes me think it's like some anti-smoking commercial. If it is, it's terrible, and whoever thought of it should be fired. It's one of the worst <laughs> teaser videos I've ever seen. It's way worse than Lacey Evans walking out to the ring. At least you see her. At least there's something. There's some anticipation there, but there is nothing about this cardboard box that... That looks le- enticing. And- oh, there's not. I'm not on the edge of my seat going, oh, man. I mean, remember those Glacier promos from the mid-90s? That made true. Glacier was coming soon. I was getting hyped. Sub-Zero was coming to life, and he was going to kick ass in WCW but a box with smoke and a puppet? I I got nothing for you there. So what else do we have in the world of news from pro wrestling this week? OVW is now a state-accredited trade school, so yes, you can earn credits to go and learn professional wrestling. Yes, you can go up to Louisville, Kentucky, and you will learn lots of things about wrestling, but also finance, creative writing, English... Uh, production, marketing, business, finance, and because they are getting this accreditation, now students will be able to apply for financial aid, which makes tuition to go to wrestling school a lot easier on wrestlers who used to pay out of pocket, and it used to be cash only under the table, a lot of shady stuff going on in the world of pro wrestling training schools where, oh, you don't have your money this week? Bye, see you later. So, uh, you'll get 60 credit hours to earn a degree in professional wrestling and sports entertainment. And students can start applying in May. So, sign up, Patrick, today to go to OVW, which recently reestablished their connection with Impact Wrestling. So, they are a training school for a wrestling organization once again. Which I think is a brilliant idea. And had this been around sooner... 
you would have seen so much more out of the Monday Night Wars. You would have seen so much more out of the early 2000s as it pertains to new, fresh talent and wrestling as a whole. Yeah, I think you would have seen in the mid-2000s, around 2005 and six, people that got... People would have enlisted in this in during the Attitude Era, during around 99 2000 been out 2002 worked indies for two or three years and then been in the company in 2005 and where everybody else because the only person around that time we have now is john cena randy orton Ran- well, I mean, lesnar those three uh, yeah well and shelton benjamin i guess came from the same class true, as well true all ovw guys as well but i mean so. i think you would have had a bigger selection and you wouldn't have had there was a downtime right after that where wrestling just you had the same people for non-stop for like five or six years and it was great and all but at the same time it was just there was nothing fresh and it needed that freshness and this this will add to it even now i i think this is tremendously awesome at least it gives you more experience than just wrestling training at least you learn other aspects of life that you can apply to other things and then you can probably transfer some of these credits to a regular college if you decide to go there so if wrestling doesn't work out for you you've got some college credits that you can use and go do something else so yeah pretty interesting stuff i have i'd never heard of such a thing before an actual accredited by the state an actual degree you know yeah. <laughs> like you here's can, your you wrestling can earn degree. a degree in pro wrestling very weird. It makes me want to go back. The genius would to, have been proud. To the start. You, oh, my God. That would have been that. Well, he speaks at college graduation sometimes. He has to be the first speaker there. Yes. Lanny Poffo. He has to be. That would be tremendously awesome. That's his gimmick. That would be great. The genius of glory and renown. But it makes me want to go back and go through this. Just because of it, it is what it is. Unfortunately, Patrick, you would have struggled with it because it had grades involved. That's true. That's true. (laughs) I was passed on my bronze, not my brains. What can I say? No, I mean, I would have never been able to sell my parents or anyone else on the idea of going to pro wrestling college. Uh, that would have been, I would have been laughed you out of the room. Really? You don't think your dad would uh, go well, for it? No. I, well, first of all, I have no athletic prowess. I would have been terrible at that part of it. All the other stuff maybe I would have been okay at. But. So would you go through it if I paid for it? Uh, no, no. You wouldn't, and just Not, to keep our fans interested at how it works you would not go that, through this that's okay i th- i think i'll sit this one out really it's because of the pe class you know i don't want to get in the ring all the other stuff sounds fun right i don't i don't want to be i never wanted to be in the ring well you're a broadcaster so i mean you're learning that side barely of it. very you already minimal. know that side of it but i want to see you in the ring not not ROH, but I want to see you actually perform. And, well, and I you'll think, see me gas out in about two seconds and just pass out because I just would not be. Able I could to. give you plenty of gimmicks. Well, I know you can come up with gimmick. We can come up with gimmicks all day. If, if gimmick class is one of the classes, we'd do great in there. <laughs> but uh, the actual PE part, the actual getting in the ring, I watched Tough Enough. Look, that did not. <laughs> They had nine weeks of training, okay? How do, you, how do you grade a professional wrestling match? Or how do you grade... Back bumps. I want to know how you grade this. I'm curious. I say, how well do you take a back bump? And I guess you put a... Pan- you do it just like Tough Enough. You have 
<laughs> four instructors sitting there and watching you take back bump after back bump, and you say, okay, well, you got a C in back bumps because you keep hitting your head. Like American Idol. Yo, dog, I give it a C plus. Yo, dog, not for me, dog. Gonna have to pass. <laughs> So yeah, I, yeah, that is true. That the, the actual in ring part, yeah. How how exactly do you grade it? How do you grade it? Probably just based on how how much you piss off your trainer. Because I mean, your, your test is going to be this today. Yeah. Now collar elbow tie ups. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> your final exam is going to be how many headshots with a steel chair can you take before passing out? How well do you snap when you get fake punched? There you I mean, go. Just can you do a moonsault? I mean. Oh, well, I'm fucked then. Yeah, moonsault day is going to be tough. Uh, so broken neck ER visit. Yeah, that that's the end of class. Yeah. Uh, what else do you have for that's, us from the news that's, uh That's it, brother. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I have one more. Booker T and his show, uh, his company, ROW, is going to be joining forces with Impact Wrestling to do a show together later this year. It's going to take place in Houston, Texas. I believe this is a gimmick for Mr. Mayor T to be running. and uh, He's bringing business to his city. Yeah. Yes. I believe wholeheartedly that this is a political stunt. I have no idea. So I don't know how serious book Mr. Booker is about uh, still getting into this thing in Houston. So well, how, how is it that a two-time WWE Hall of Famer and... A Hall of Fame legend contracted WWE employee is working for Impact for one night only. How did this come about? I'm sure that as long as it's not, as long as he's not on a televised thing, I think that's their deal with all their legends is just you can't be on a streaming thing. You can you can even be on like a DVD or something, but you can't be on a pay-per-view type deal. I mean, all the legends can do whatever. So they you just, can do DVDs and shit like that? I think so. I think that's pretty much... I it. would love to get my hands on just one of those contracts and read through it and see what is and is not okay. Well, I'm sure in its different case-by-case basis as well. You know? True. But because this is how the company operates, it's like they're cool with some things and then... Well, okay. We talked about the dark side of the ring last week Um, on Viceland. We, which we saw the uh, the Savage episode. Yeah, I've actually seen the Savage, and I I did. I didn't want to do it, but I sat through another documentary about the Montreal Screwjob, and uh, I would advise you to skip that one. No, I'm, I'm going to watch that. I am actually intrigued by it. This isn't a spoiler. You uh, know how I feel about about that situation anyway, so... Yeah, we have talked at length about it. Everybody in, that has ever watched wrestling of any sort has talked about that night in Montreal. But the only interesting bit that came out of it... Well, there's two things. Uh, I thought that the Montreal episode... I hadn't heard a lot from Earl about it, and he talks a little bit about it. Nothing really new from that. The craziest part of the Screwjob episode is that Scott Hall is sitting there watching it on TV, and they cut to him, and he, in modern day Scott Hall, not like in 1997, and he's like, there's no way Brett wasn't in on that. He's like, why would the camera cut to him spitting on Vince? Why did they have a tight shot ready to go? Why did they let him spell WCW on camera? Of course Brett knew he was in on it. He was in on it the whole time. The whole thing's a work. I was like, you're insane. I mean, like, there is no way. Like, that's just a crazy... Like, Brett has to be the greatest actor in the world to have been 
in on it because in you know wrestling with shadows he most certainly was not acting as if he was in on it. and his wife was certainly not in on it if that was the case because true. she let hunter have a piece of her mind that night that's true in montreal that's true my favorite part of the screw job episode is the back and forth not face to face because they're not in the same room but cornet and russo they just rail against each other the very last two minutes of it is just Cornette describing about how his only wish is that he outlives Russo so that he can piss on his grave. He's like, I told my Talking wife... Talking about the Montreal. They each take credit for pitching the idea to Vince McMahon. Okay. Uh, Cornette swears it's his idea. Russo swears it's his idea. But then it just turns into them bashing one another. But Cornette especially is just... I don't care if I'm in a walker or if I don't care if I'm in a wheelchair. I told my wife, wheel me out to that motherfucker's grave and I'm just going to take me a piss on it, put take a picture of it and put it right there on my wall. That's all I want out of this life. And just that part was incredible. Like, So if you watch about three minutes of this thing, I wish it was segmented. Those three segments like Earl, Scott Hall's conspiracy theory, and then Cornette and Russo going back and forth, but not like I said, they were in each. They were not in the same room, but they. Are. I truly don't believe either one of them knew about it. Pritchard did not know about it, but uh, oh, you mean Sean and Brett? No, Russo and Cornette. Oh, Russo and Cornette knew about it. Yes, really. They were they were in the meeting with Vince. They didn't know for sure what was going to happen. Well, Cornette, Cornette claims to have actually beat Earl out of the arena that night. That he ran to his car first. And before Earl. Oh, well, I can believe that. Because uh, I would not want to be in anywhere near that arena. They had both thrown the suggestion to Vince McMahon, and they didn't know for sure what was going to happen. But I, but since they both had that idea, it didn't surprise them. Because, see, Triple H takes credit for it. And has, everybody. And has for fucking years. Everybody takes credit for everybody it. Everybody wants a piece of this, but then whenever the heat was on them, they're like, oh no, it wasn't me, dude. When the shit went down, and everybody's like, oh, was yeah. it you or what? It, no, it wasn't me. But after Brett's no longer there, it's like, it was my fucking idea. Well, ultimately, it was Vince McMahon's idea because he's the boss. And as Earl states in the documentary, it's like, if I didn't call for the bell, he was just going to have Mark Eaton ring the bell. So really, what difference does it fucking make? Yeah. So, who cares? It's Vince McMahon. At the end of the day, everything is Vince. Side note here, Raw was in Montreal. I believe yes. SmackDown was as well. Yeah, they were both. Uh, in the I Bell would Center. I would love to have seen Shawn Michaels come no, out. No, no, no. Because... I'm so, dude. No, no, no. This is it. This is the last time I'm going to speak about it. You can speak about it next week if you watch it this week. But I am. This is my last stand on this particular. Because he is no, he is not liked in Montreal. Even to, they've gotten over it. I don't think they have. Dude. There's some that are really anti pissed. I, I off. think they've gotten over it. We've all we dude. It's it's been beaten to death. It's 22 years later. We can move on. It's fine. Now the the Randy Savage documentary, uh, the Randy and Liz episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Showed mostly Linda. Uh, Linda Hogan was a big interview in this thing and had a lot of pictures that were never before seen that I thought were actually interesting and helpful. And uh, her narrative, she didn't slander uh, Macho or Hogan, really. Talked about her relationship with Liz, which I thought was interesting because we never hear anything about Liz in general. And uh, Well, the fact that she was the only person outside of Savage that 
could have something to do with Liz. Was right. He was so protective of her. Right, and so I, I was glad to hear her side of it. Uh, the rest of it, not a lot of really new information. It didn't make him any worse than than the WWE documentary did. Other than everyone, he's very protective. You know, uh, Lanny just said the same things he said in the in the WWE documentary that he really liked uh, the Special Olympics and helping out with kids, and that was pretty much it. So I thought it was fine. It's forty five minutes. Uh, it's got commercials if you watch it on the. On their network, which I don't have their network, so I had to look up a, a different. Uh, s- I do. It was not aware of it, so I have missed the first two. I watched after taping them, though. I watched the Savage. I have not seen Montreal yet. Uh, your thoughts on the Savage one? Uh, the Savage one was tremendous. It was uh, a lot of behind the scenes stuff with Liz. I would love to have gotten Luger on there, really, and and talk about his situation with Liz and what went down that night because you heard Eric Bischoff you got the little clip off of Bischoff's radio show uh, but I would love to have had had the cameras on him put him in the hot seat and say listen asshole what the fuck happened (laughs) every single fucking person in wrestling wants the cameras on him and to hear that why not this was the perfect time I mean I thought that that his tape into Bischoff's podcast pretty much explained enough. I mean, at the time when she was overdosing, I mean, he was high too. And you you can't, when you're out of your mind on drugs, when you're zonked out on drugs and you're talking to a 911 operator and the 911 operator's trying to tell you how to do CPR, there's not, you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything he could have done differently. I mean, he was in the same dark place as she was and he still living out the consequences of that. Well, it's almost like we talked about with, like, Dynamite Kid. Is it better to just stand up like Dynamite Kid or Lex Luger and be in a terrible condition or just go? Yeah. You know, I don't want to be like Dynamite. You know, if I'm in that dark of a place, I don't want it to keep going and going and going. So, yeah, yeah, I thought it was really well produced. They had a lot of clips, a lot of WWE clips. A lot of wrestlers were interviewed. Uh, Hall... Jake Roberts, they talked about the snake bite angle, which I thought was fun. I loved the, uh, I loved Hall's part, uh, especially on the aspect of to give kind of fans a realization. Liz was like 85, 90 pounds. And so she was a very small lady. And, you know, Luger, like he said, he goes, Luger and I and the rest of us, we were pushing like 275 280 and he said and she's keeping up with him pill for pill it's not like right yeah i i get what you're saying yeah yeah it's not general like it's not like general when he's when he put it in those terms it really opened your eyes as to how bad of a problem or how bad of a problem it was in general but how fucked up she was a lot more than him because if it was fucking luger up you know it was tearing into her. Yeah. And so I thought that that was a great way to uh, to explain it and to put kind of in perspective the, the situation in which the drug use was being used and had happened. I loved the macho side of it. I wish they had talked about some of his baseball stuff. They talked about the early years and him starting. And little side note here, just uh, they didn't mention it, but they mentioned partly they were an outlaw promotion. They mentioned that when they first got started. Being an outlaw promotion, Angelo and uh, 
Randy, they would come down here to Chattanooga and work for Nick Goulas and had a lot of matches here in Chattanooga during the Nick Goulas run, take the money, go back up there, and that's how they kept, because they were just right over the Kentucky line, uh, the Tennessee-Kentucky line. So, and that's how they kept their wrestling promotion afloat. That's what got, that's what kept them going and then inevitably opened the doors for for Lanny and for Randy to go to WWF. And well, he went down to, I mean, Lawler basically bought Poffo out. Right. And then from there, uh, Jimmy Hart sent him to New York. And yeah. Outside of Jake Roberts and Scott Hall, do you remember any other wrestlers they actually interviewed? Because I only remember those two actually of wrestlers. No, that they it, talked was, to. it was Jake Hall. Uh, I know they talked to other wrestler people, but like actual pro wrestlers that they spoke with. Those seem to be the only no, two. No, the only ones the only ones in the entire documentary were Jake Hall, Bischoff, Lin- G- Linda, Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Hart and Pritchard. Pritchard. That's okay. it. Those are the only people in the documentary which are people that you know are you're going to get the true story from. Well, and also sadly they a lot of wrestlers have passed on so you don't have a lot to work with anyway. But I mean it's like you and I said before going on here, I respected Linda's uh, truth. Linda not getting on there and just using using it as a way to bash Hulk or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, no. She just was like, hey, here's what happened. Here's what... She was a friend of mine. Yeah, they lived in the same neighborhood, I dearly miss her. She, You know, we were very close. And that was that. She didn't get on there and use it as a platform to bash Hulk or whatever it may be. And didn't bash Randy, really. No. Just um, showed some pictures. I thought she came across really well. And she, she's, yeah. she's been pretty villainized from the divorce from Hulk, which we know Hulk isn't such a great guy himself. Right. But she gets a lot of the same kind of that's, treatment, I think. But she came I across... Yeah. I think she came across really well in this yeah. documentary. That's kind of where I was headed, was I felt like she showed that she she is not as bad as people make her out to be. And uh, it was very... I respect her for being open and honest, and I respect her on the aspect of she didn't use that platform to just bash Hulk or, or whatever. She used it to tell the truth Here's what happened. Take it for what it is. You know, if you like me, like me. You don't, you don't. And uh, so, yeah, I'm extremely impressed and very well respected her for her side of it. I give that episode a thumbs up. Uh, I wouldn't recommend the screw job one outside of those few clips, but you got to scrub through it to find it. You told me there was a Brody one. Yes. Yeah, so, and also, even if you don't have Viceland, you can watch the current week's episode. So, like, the screw job is this current is the current episode. So, okay. I, I don't have that channel, but I was able to go to the website and watch it. Watch it on the... But you can only watch it that week. After that, it's locked. And then you have to have a cable provider. So, if you're a cord cutter like myself, you have to go scrounging around to find it. So, I had to scrounge around to find the, the Randy Savage one. But it was well worth the watch. I don't know what next week's topic is, so... Uh, we'll have to... Uh, they didn't talk... They didn't give a... The next episode that they're actually broadcasting is the Bruiser Brody one. So, there you go. So, the Bruiser Brody one is the the next one coming out? I oh, know. You can watch it right now. So, it's it's available now. The next episode is the last of the Von Erics. So, you'll get a Von Erics episode. So, next week's. Yeah, next week's. Uh, so, Brody... Hold on. Uh, no. Brody is on the 24th. And the last of the Von Erics is on May first, 
So that's the order. Well, Brody is definitely a story that needs to be have some light shed on it. Uh, the Von Erichs, the original Viking experience. The Von Erichs, uh, that situation alone is. Well, I thought the WWE documentary about world class and the Von Erichs is pretty. I I kind of thought that did the job just fine. I go back and watch it sometimes. It's sad, but I like it. It's very sad, but I mean, I think that there's a lot deeper rooted stuff that WWE just didn't get into. But I'm just not sure that, I mean, based on the Savage one, I thought it was going to be a lot darker. And so, how dark is the dark side of the ring going to get, Patrick? I'm not sure. It's pretty, I'm assuming pretty dark if they go full-blown with the the Brody situation and and the... Von Erichs. The Von Erichs, so... I don't know. I just don't know how much more information you're going to get than is already out there. I don't feel like I picked up a lot of new information from the Screwjob episode. I picked up a little bit more on Liz on the on the Savage one, but that was about it, really. But still, it's wrestling documentaries, so all for it. Keep it going. More wrestling. We need more stuff to watch, Patrick. We don't. Well, yeah. Out. I mean, the world revolves around wrestling. This was your pick this week. I wanted... Okay. So, I had forgotten that this pay-per-view was an infamous pay-per-view for another reason. I picked this because of the... Sure you did. Dungeon match. I swear to God I did. The dungeon match for... Uh, what, which took place in the Hart, the Hart family's house. It, yeah. Down in the dungeon. Stu Hart's basement. Stu Hart's basement. In the dungeon where all these legends come from. It was kind of a nod to Brad after the whole bullshit through the Hall of Fame. So this was my pick. And this was... However, I forgot... That coming up after that match was going to be one of the most infamous Attitude Era moments ever in wrestling. It was the top promoted thing. They did a segment before that open that, you know, WWF, oh, we own the world or whatever, that pre-roll. They did a segment before that, you know, to hype you up for the bikini contest. Yes. It was the top promoted thing on this card. Yes, and I forgot... I swear, y'all are going to call bullshit, because you already have. I forgot that this was the actual pay-per-view. Because I, I did not want to bring that pay-per-view to light in our in our entire history of our, our well, we've radio already show. done Well, we've already done uh, Mae Young and the Roy, Mrs. Royal Rumble, so we've already done some uh, pretty bad segments. I mean, we haven't covered the uh, Diva Search contest that I showed you the clip of where... Oh. They said some terrible things to one another. Horrible. <laughs> Horrible things. And that was on Spike TV. Not I kind of on... hope you pick that episode next week because that is. God, I don't dude. think that's on. I bet they edit the shit out of that that's, on the network. I bet they man. did too, man. That was rough. That was that was terrible. Yeah, so it's not as bad as <laughs> the 2004 Diva search. <laughs> um, but it definitely the women's evolution would uh, frown upon. Fully loaded, 1998, which is what you picked. July 26, 1998, we're heading out to Fresno, California at the Selland Arena in front of 9,855,000 fans. Fans. Oh my god, only 9,000 fans. Well, but this was a, an in your house. And I'm sure they It doesn't they, matter, dude. I'm sure they booked this arena in 97. You know, they probably booked it 6 months out when they were still sucking and uh they didn't realize how much the tide would have changed, you know. They they couldn't have foreseen 
WCW dropping the ball at Starcade and the rise of Austin and just how big this was going to be and King of the Ring fully going through this. This is the pay per view after that. Oh my so. god. I did not realize it's the pay-per-view right after King of the <laughs> yeah, Rain. Yeah, so they had no idea. And to see, and I completely understand why the main event is a tag match now. Because Taker's still trying to heal that fucking broken ankle, and Foley is lucky to be even walking at this point in time, only three weeks after Hell in a Cell. Yeah, it's strange to see him still in this heel role. I mean, because King of the Ring babyface Mick Foley. I mean, there's yeah. like... And to see him still tagging with Kane here, yeah, it's like, yeah. whatever. Well, after that, you remember the first blood match where after he went through all that yeah, he shit. He came back out the same night. He comes limping back out the same night. With Austin with a staff infection. Yes. Austin's got, and he's still got the staff infection. Cause yeah, because he's got, he's his got his the arm, elbow pad. He's got the elbow pad and his arm bandaged up tonight as well. Uh, Taker so, on a bag foot. Taker's got a broken foot, a broken ankle, a broken foot. Uh, Foley only, like I said, three weeks after going through one of the most historical, hellacious things you will ever see in wrestling. Still to this day, the best one in this is is Kane. I mean, shit, he has nothing to lose <laughs> and everything to gain. He just he's the healthiest one in the in the uh, in the match. Yeah, we got to be champion for a day. Twenty four hours, baby. Twenty four <laughs> hours. Glenn Jacobs, Knox County Mayor. That was the greatest 24-hour reign uh, in WWE history. Oh, the reign of Cain. So the show opens up before, like I said, before you even get the, the WWF, uh, the, the, the number even, one for sports entertainment. The Even the pay-per-view opener. You didn't even get that. You click yeah. on the pay-per-view and the first thing you get... Well, you get, get the rating on the network. The and rating then, on the network and then King in the locker barging room. Barging into the women's locker room, yes. of course. Yes. Barges into Sable's dressing room. He says, what are you going to wear for the bikini contest? you got to show me. She says, okay, I'll give you a preview. And she walks behind oh, the old silhouette screen, which was perfectly well lit. You know, yeah. it's amazing that she had this set up. And uh, not only that, he gets to peek behind the screen. And I thought Jerry Lawler had his first heart attack here. As he, <laughs> he looks behind the screen, his eyes light up. He turns into a cart. His crown almost leapt off of his the top of his head, and he just went just laughed hysterically and off to the race as we go. Yes. So he was very excited about what uh, he saw. Say in, in more ways than one. I'm glad we didn't see that part. <laughs> yeah, if we saw how excited he was. Then we get the open to the pay-per-view. Oh, this was the lead-up to the highway to hell, Patrick. Arcane and we, Undertaker we working together. We haven't done that one either. For another day. <laughs> For another day. Uh, our yeah. Taker and Kane working together. You see Taker, uh, the finish of uh, King of the Ring... Uh, Taker and and Mick Foley were out there, and a lot of is he helping him? Did he mean to hit? Uh, he's grabbed the chair. He's going to go hit Kane. Right. Kane falls. Austin's got Busted the chair Austin up. Open. Austin's got the chair up, so they connect chairs, which smacks into Austin's face, and Austin starts pouring blood. And next thing you know, the ref sees it. Ding, ding, ding. So did he try to hit Kane? Or did he purposely hit Austin? He That's, wanted his little brother to have that belt. That's right. And then later on, he like snuck attack Austin dressed as Kane. So how did he get Kane's gear? And yeah. I thought the entire payoff to this whole storyline was really lame at the Highway to Hell. Really? Yeah, because 
when we review it, we'll get there. But there was, even as a viewer, I remember watching this and being like, there's just not enough, there's not enough to let you, to lead you to believe they are working together. There's just not enough there. Right. So, and they never did, like, provide you enough evidence, really, to, even tonight in the main event, and we'll talk about it, but I thought there should have been a little bit more, maybe he is working, you know, maybe he should have hopped down and walked away when Austin wanted a tag or something like that, but. Yeah. Will Austin and Taker be able to win the tag team titles? Oh, another week, Patrick, where we picked a pay-per-view with a tag team main event for the belts with feuding, dysfunctional champions. I hate this gimmick, and they do it. (laughs) All the time. This is the oldest play in Vince McMahon's playbook is the champion and the challenger will be tag champs for a week or two and then they'll lose them and then they'll fight for the regular belt. Yeah. I hate this, but whatever. I would have still wanted to order this pay-per-view because I saw if you saw King of the Ring last month, hell, I mean... <laughs> That's true. I mean, you sold me. You got me hooked. I'm going to buy every fucking pay-per-view you put out after I saw King of the Ring 98. We have all these questions, but will the answers become questions, Patrick? Very uh, deep voiceover here. Just when you think you have the answers, I change the questions. Thanks, Roddy Piper. JR and King are on the call. King made it back out of the dressing room very quickly here to see Val Venus. So we go from uh, a naked lady to a near-naked man as Val Venus makes his pay-per-view debut here in 1998. Val says, California... Here I come, as he starts to take his Speedo off. So we we almost had our first instance of nudity tonight. The former Colonel Parker, Tennessee Lee, interrupts him, and Tennessee Lee calls Double J the world's greatest lover, which, as I always said, how would Tennessee Lee know that? I do not know. But this is uh, Tennessee Lee's last pay-per-view with the company. Really? As, uh, I did yes, not know this. They were, they were moving Jared on to Southern Justice, which is why he's out with Southern Justice as well. At SummerSlam would be the hair versus hair match, and then that would lead into the the Attitude Era Jeff Jarrett. As, the shaved. Yeah. As yeah. right now we are, 1994 Jeff Jarrett has reemerged after we saw him debut at... DX in your house as Native American Jeff Jarrett, NWA Jeff Jarrett. I don't know what he was going for then, but they brought back the 1994 Double J gimmick. Tim White tries to send Southern Justice away, and then Yamaguchi-san, R.I.P., leads out Kai and Tai, and uh, they get shooed away, but Yamaguchi-san joins the commentary table. He sneaks over. To the commentary table. Of course, they're sneaky. That's what WWE he's, always he tells sneaks you. sneaks over there. Well, he had like a uh, Stone Cold hat on, so he just blended in with the crowd or sure. something. And Kai and Ty and Southern Justice all have to leave as they don't have a manager's license, so Tennessee Lee is the only one allowed to stay. Yamaguchi's son and King, all they do is talk about Yamaguchi's son's wife. Waller wants to know if his wife is flexible, and they pay no attention to the match, so I won't pay it much either. Jared delivers a nice power bomb to Val Venus. A clothesline to Val knocks him outside, and Tennessee Lee kicks him right in the gut. Jarrett hits a baseball slide, and he brings Val back in the ring. Hits a stiff DDT to Val Venus. No pun intended. Val answers with a belly-to-belly, followed by an inverted atomic drop, a clothesline, a fisherman suplex for a two-count. Double J hits a crossbody for a near fall, a power slam, but then he dodges the money shot and counters it into a superplex. Val, though, inside cradles Double J off a figure four attempt. Jarrett... Oh no, some dysfunctional Tennessee Lee. Jarrett runs into him by accident. Venus hits the O'Connor roll, and Val Venus gets the win. 
his big win, his big pay-per-view debut win over Double J, Jeff Jarrett. And I think this is what led to Tennessee Lee's dismissal was, how dare you cost me this match against this porn star. So, um, teasing what would happen tomorrow night on Raw was choppy choppy your pee-pee, I believe Yamaguchi-san talked about. He said, like, tomorrow night we're going to make sure Val Venus is never the same again. So It's true. uh, Big angle tomorrow night where Val Venus had his... uh, genitalia cut off yeah Raina Bobbitt would be proud the other Bobbitt saved him yeah as we just just by turning off the lights yes that's all it took uh, what'd you think of this opening match on fully loaded uh not bad for what it was not bad for the first match the match opener uh it's, there's a lot of room to build <laughs> yeah there's a lot of room to grow for ooh for Val Venus, so uh, he looked, uh, you know, he was pretty buff here. I mean, pretty inflated. Yeah, he was jacked. Yeah, I mean, he uh, definitely had the look. He was still pretty green, though, and yeah. would need to develop. I don't know that he ever really developed to the point that to be a main eventer. And with this gimmick, you would never make it to the main event. I mean, you can't. He's a sleazier version of Rick Rude, and Rick Rude never made it to the main event, so. Yeah. Val gets on the mic. Tells Yamaguchi, son, your wife won't measure up to the big Valboski. And then we smash cut, so we lost something here on the network version. We go to the Hart House, teasing the dungeon match coming up later on tonight. D'Lo and Godfather are out next. Rock won the European belt for D'Lo. Uh, screwed Triple H out of it, basically, on Raw. So D'Lo, the most famous European champion is out. He's taking on X-Pac, who's out with China. This is a non-title match, we're told by JR, so I thought, well, I know how this is going to go if you tell me that. D'Lo hits a nice spinning heel kick. D'Lo sucks chance. A long chin lock gets a China chant going. Then X-Pac gets thrown hard into the buckle, and D'Lo lands a leg drop for a near fall. D'Lo hits a second rope elbow for a two count, then he goes into another chin lock. X-Pac uses a jawbreaker to escape. D'Lo misses a moonsault. And his chest protector backfires on him and injures himself. Get a big kick from X-Pac, then a Bronco Buster. But Godfather decks him, and he walks right into a sky high. And D'Lo gets the win. Pretty surprising victory, considering it was a non-title match. And DX was so over to see X-Pac jobbing to D'Lo. But they had a lot of faith in D'Lo at this time. And I thought he was going to be... I thought he was going to be, possibly, a main eventer one day. I really thought he was going to be something special but uh never turned out that way but what did you think of this match patrick i liked this match i would have given it a five out of ten yeah this was like a raw match i'm kind of surprised china didn't help out really at all here she didn't really help out her man too much no and uh so yeah d-lo gets the win edge is in the crowd watching the show. Surprisingly, I think Edge was waiting for the bikini contest because he would be defending Sable's honor next month at SummerSlam in a random pairing. Another random pairing for Sable here at uh, SummerSlam. Yeah. When Edge was a mute and he just walked through the crowd. (laughs) He was searching for something. He was searching for his brother and a vampire. Kevin Kelly is at WWF.com and Tom Pritchard who is still dressed like he's in 1974, are talking about, where's The Undertaker at? Where could he be? And Tom is just like, oh, he's a pro. He'll be here. Kevin Kelly, what's going on? There appears to be a breaking story here in the backstage area. We're covering it right now on WWF.com. The Undertaker has not yet arrived tonight here to the arena. 
to compete in the main event at Fully Loaded. He hasn't arrived yet. He's many hours late now, Tom, and, and I'm starting to get worried. Well, Kevin, as we all know, he was in San Francisco last night, but The Undertaker's reputation in the dressing room is that he won't let anybody down. I've got to say that in my heart of hearts, I know he's going to be here tonight. I've got to believe that. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Our cameras are mounted all over this building, and we will find out if indeed, if and when, The Undertaker arrives here tonight. Farouk and Scorpio are out next. Talk about random pairings here. Farouk and Scorpio are a team. They're taking on Terry Funk and Bradshaw. They go to an interview, and Terry Funk announces... <laughs> we, I just laughed as soon as it, he started talking, because he said it's going to be his last match. And then he pauses for a second, and he says, for six months. I'm going to take six months off and uh, come back. And for whatever reason, this pisses Bradshaw off. But uh, one of Terry Funk's 75 retirements here... Um, at least he told you up front, this is bullshit, I'm going to be back in six months. That's true. Somewhere. Hey, JR, what's on paper is not always important whenever it comes to professional wrestling, because it's what's right here in your heart. And I'm going to make an announcement right now that this is going to be a, my last match in the WWF for, a, let me in on this? for a while, a for a while, for possibly six. Six months. Yeah, six months. Six months I'm going to take off because I've had a rough go up here against Mick Foley and the WWF competitors. And I'll tell you what, my batteries need recharging. Recharge your batteries. Yeah, I'm going to recharge my batteries. I'm Great. Gonna... Hilarious. He loves to say he's retiring just so he can take a break from wrestling. Every match. Instead of just being like, hey, I'm just going to take a couple months off. It's a great you know? gimmick. Every match is a retirement match. <laughs> Every match is my last match. You better buy a ticket. A true carny gimmick. Terry Font. It's true. For whatever reason, Bradshaw gets really pissed off about this. Like, this thrown-together tag team, Bradshaw's like, hey, man, I, I was part of the new Blackjacks that fell apart. I, I need a partner, and, and you're leaving me already. So Bradshaw's pissed off. Scorpio and Funk shake hands before the match starts as Terry Funk trained Flash Funk Scorpio. Bradshaw and Scorpio have qualified for the Brawl for All, JR mentions. And, uh, yeah, they they would have uh, not too great of outings in the Brawl for All. Bradshaw beats down Scorpio. He hits a Hurricane Rana for a two-count, though. Farouk takes over on his future teammate Bradshaw and eats a big clothesline. Bradshaw goes upstairs, and I was really scared for him. But he hits a shoulder tackle and gets a two-count. Funk then gets in, throws some punches, keeps Farouk grounded with a neckbreaker for a two-count. Farouk hits a backbreaker for a two. Farouk looks for the Dominator, but Bradshaw boots him. Bradshaw wants another shoulder tackle off the top, but Farouk turns it into a power slam. Scorpio gets crotched by Funk and suplexed off the top by Bradshaw and gets a two count. Bradshaw lands a nasty power bomb on Scorpio for a two. Funk tags in, throws Scorpio into the guardrail and into the crowd, but remembers this isn't ECW, so he has to bring him back. He rolls up Scorpio and Farouk decks him to break the count. Scorpio hits a twisting splash off the top for two on Funk, which looked like shit. It looked like he wanted to do a moonsault and at the last second decided, ah, just do a splash. He hits a big leg drop off the top rope. The crowd starts chanting, boring. Wow, good job, guys. Scorpio hits a 450, which they didn't chant boring for, on Terry Funk. Scorpio and Farouk win the match after Scorpio hits the 450 on Terry Funk. Then Bradshaw, not happy with this result, lays out everybody. Fuck them all. Fuck them all to hell. Clothesline from hell to Scorpio, chair shot to Farouk, and a boot for Terry Funk, and the big Texan just walks away. So Farouk was in the brawl for all? Farouk was, and Bradshaw was. 
Bradshaw fought in this gear, by the way, in his blackjacks gear with boots and everything. He looked ridiculous, but he was in the brawl for all. He actually made it, I think, to the second round. Really? But uh, I'm pretty sure that Bart Gunn knocked the fuck out of him. <laughs> I think he was one of the victims of Bart Gunn's uh, knockout power, but he did make it past the first round. Dude, Bart Gunn was a beast. In the brawl for all, yes. He was a beast. Just it, to get his head taken off in I know, like 10 seconds. What a waste. I that mean, is true. I mean, when you have like a legit, when you've built a legit badass, why do that to him and send him in there to Butterbean and get knocked the fuck? You just wasted all that. Yeah. What little you had. I mean, it wasn't like he had a personality. You would need a manager for him, but he could have been a Brock Lesnar type. Like yeah. a legit, like I'm a legit fighter. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess they had that already with like Shamrock and Dan Severn, but like. He he proved you saw it like it yeah. was in their organization like yeah. so it was a waste. Speaking of waste, here comes Vader as uh, they decided to waste Vader time here tonight as he's taking on Mark Henry, which we saw Mark Henry's debut against Lawler on this podcast, and I hate to say it, he has not improved much <laughs> in the two years since that match. Huge Vader chance. Henry botches one slam, but then just repeats the spot like a true indie geek drops an elbow vader rolls out screams fuck and walks away as vader was not happy with uh, his dance partner tonight henry hits a leg drop for a two count vader hits a splash off the ropes for two vader hits a running splash to henry in the corner then a clothesline takes henry outside chucks him into the stairs slams henry hits a second rope splash but only gets a near fall Henry hits a running power slam, a standing splash, and that's it. Wins the match. One, two, three. And Vader time was up here in WWF. As I, I believe this was it for uh, our old friend Vader. Leon White doing the job for the new guy on the way out. So This was after the uh, I'm a big fat piece of shit stuff. Was so it? I, I thought so. that was his last. I thought that was his last. I think this is actually the last. So let me go look up old Vader here. Uh, no, he actually stuck around until... He actually stuck around until October. So, there you go. At 98's Over the Edge is when he said, I'm a big fat piece of shit. So, this was after I'm a big fat piece of shit. Jobber to the stars, Vader. Could have been a top heel. They needed heels. They always need heels, but... He did great until Sean... No, then, well, then, unfortunately, that was right out of the gate. And once he burnt that bridge, it was... They were never looking back. Sean... One mistake, and Sean took serious offense to it. Threw a fit, yeah. Threw a fit. At least he didn't get him fired like Marty, so That's there's true. that. That's true. Leon cried, I mean, in that interview with Cornette. He says he cried. He thought he was going to get fired just from that one mistake in that one match. Because Sean was that that particular. I mean, that... Well, and he had so much stroke backstage yeah. that he got what he wanted, yeah. and so... Yeah, poor Leon. So we take a look at the Hart House again. Kevin Kelly and Tom still don't know where Undertaker is. Then Kane and Mankind come out, and I'm like, well, okay, uh, the match is going to happen now in the middle of the show, so the bikini contest is our main event, is what I thought was about to happen here. It would have been a great main event. They would have loved it. (laughs) They would have ate that shit up. There Um, wouldn't have been anybody that left disappointed. That's true. All the 12-year-old boys in the crowd would have been... Very, thrilled just fine don't care don't give a damn it wasn't a match 
Don't care what happened in the main event. For, they would have forgotten this terrible undercard. And that's it. So yeah, I think the booking, your booking decision is better here. Someone get this man the pencil. Kane and Mankind come out and they're managed, of course, by Uncle Paul, Paul Bear. He says he knew Taker wouldn't be here because he wants to stay in one piece for SummerSlam. Which does make sense, you know? Like, why would I fuck? I'm already the number one contender. Why, why fuck, risk it? Yeah, why fuck up getting hurt? Just They're interrupted by, oh, you didn't know? The New Age Outlaws come out, and I'm like, so they're going to have to fight two tag matches tonight? Like, this sucks for them. They're for Kane and Mankind, yeah. yeah. But Road Dog just runs them down on the mic. They've got no answer for him. They challenge them to a match tomorrow before the tag team title match tonight. For the tag title. <laughs> right, yeah, night. so... Road Dog maybe should have waited until the end of the night to make we're, this we're challenge. We're challenging you for the tag titles tomorrow night. It's going to be a tag title match, and y'all aren't going to be the champions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a chance you might not be, but yeah. we assume you're going to win. So right. they just start brawling. So I guess challenge accepted. So who knows? LOD will meet DOA here as Paul Ellering turned his back on the Legion of Doom after Sonny got fired. Uh, They brought in Paul Ellering, and then they reassigned him to DOA, and then we started the Hawk is Drunk storyline, but they hadn't gotten too far into it. This was just Hawk is not showing up on time. We don't know what Hawk's doing, but he's just not showing up. And so DOA is out on their motorcycles with Paul Ellering, or Mr. Dotcom, as he was calling himself. That's what he called himself? Yeah, he had a jacket that says Mr. Dotcom. He made money on the internet somehow or something, so... Um, Really? I don't remember exactly what his, like, promos were, but he talked about, like, the internet and stuff. So he was like, Mr. Dotcom, I don't know. It's so strange. I saw this that a- on the back of his jacket, but I was like, what the fuck is that? This bald man. Yeah. This, this old, bald biker man is Mr. Dotcom. Um, LOD come out, and Shocker, this was the Shocker of the Night, Patrick, still had their helmets, which I thought had been long gone by this point. That's true. Um, but they still had it since uh, WrestleMania. Now, what was odd is that so they show us a promo where Hawk is fucking up and missing his dates or you know not showing up. He's here tonight, yeah. and he's fine. Yeah. And there's no sense at all in this match of any problems within LOD. So No, so it makes me wonder what the hell were they thinking or trying to do. Well, I just think that LOD said, this storyline is bullshit. Let's just fucking go into business for ourselves and just work a regular LOD match, you know? And yeah. we'll do that stupid shit on Raw all the time, but, like, yeah. when we're actually in this match, like, we're just going to have a regular LOD match. Yeah. And that's what they had. Eight Ball and Skull get the heat on Animal for ages. Animal answers with a double clothesline. Hawk tags in and uh, hits one of his own off the turnbuckle. LOD hit the heart attack to DOA for a two-count little tribute there. Hawk hits the neckbreaker, and LOD have some nice double-team moves on DOA. Ellering and DOA beat Hawk on the outside of the ring, and Animal just stands on the apron and just lets his friend get his ass kicked. The Harris brothers beat the shit out of Hawk and lock in a chin lock. A big boot to Hawk for a one-count as Hawk not selling shit. DOA keep Hawk in their corner. Ellering gets in some more cheap shots. A backbreaker for two on Hawk. Hawk finally gets both men down with a clothesline and Animal comes in the ring. He cleans house. They call for the doomsday device. They get it, but DOA break the cover. Hawk is arguing with the ref. The Harris brothers use twin magic and the other Harris brother sneaks in. DDT's Animal and gets the win. They inspired the Bella twins. Uh, twin magic here. They did. And, uh, 
a very basic tag match. Like I said, Animal could blame Hawk for the loss in this match, but really not. I mean, this was just them getting outsmarted by a team with a manager. Yeah. There's really nothing to it. And so all of these matches so far have been raw matches. These, the, All of these have been TV matches. Yes. Easily. Yes. Why? I forgot. Why is Ellering with DOA? I can only give you the shoot reason. And the shoot reason is, I think, that Vince Russo, who is still with the company, he was backstage in those WWF.com segments. He was off, off to the right. You know how in WCW, how he always paired Sting with Vampiro and other guys with face paint? I think he saw two bald guys, and he saw Paul Ellering, and he said, perfect. That's really, I think, the only reason. The other shoot reason I can come up with is, I think Chains was hurt, so they needed a third at the time, because... Uh, Brian Adams had left. Crush had left. So they were down to three, and I think Chains got hurt. Yeah, Brian Lee, uh, Underfaker, had gotten hurt. So they needed a third man, and I think they just paired him up. And then they they had this... I think they had the grand plan to incorporate, of course, draws into LOD. So that way you'd have three on three again, I guess. I don't know. But I think the real shoot reason is, you're a bald guy, you like motorcycles... Those are bald guys. They like motorcycles. That's really it. So like, how did they... Vince Russo doesn't, like, he totally erased, like, all this history with Ellering and LOD and, like, just said, Oh, fuck yeah, that. fuck like, it. Just yeah. Throw that shit away. It's only been 20-something years. <laughs> yeah. So what happened... Okay, you gave me shoot reasons. Camera, TV reason, how did they explain it? Because I don't remember this pairing coming together at all. All they did... It was very, like, I'll try to pull up the clip and maybe include it here. You see, some time ago, when we were too close to Chicago, there was a great man who came and saw success in us. He brought us into the wrestling world. He got us to win every title possible in wrestling. And now, once again, reunited... Precious Paul Ellering, get out here! What? Precious Paul Ellering? I thought he was dead. I thought he was lost in the Iditarod or something. But there he is. One of the most intelligent, one of the most cerebral managers in the history of the game. The guy that put the LOD together. The I, man I, that led, led the LOD to title after title yeah. in every federation. Yeah, I think I saw him at the X Games. Paul Ellering's back! Precious Paul Ellering has been on the sidelines a long time. Let's take a look at the best thing to come to Cleveland and the best thing to happen to Cleveland since they ditched Albert Bell. He's a stinking loser. Now Paul Ellering, he did it all for us. He got us to the top. And you know, time's been tough for the LOD, but we're reborn with Paul. Not only is he our greatest friend, he's our mentor. And I know, Paul, you're happy to be with us again. And I know you've got something to say. Wait a minute. That's DOA. Well, the rivals of the Legion of Doom. Skull and eight ball of DOA, riding those Titan bikes down to the ring. 
Again, we're moments away from Stone Cold and Kane's title war. But we may have a tag team war right here, King. We can't seem to get one ceremony going tonight without some sort of interruption. I want to introduce you to my new team, Eightball and Skull. It was very simple. Like one night after Sonny had gotten fired, so right. LOD come out one night and they're like, "We want to introduce you to the guy that made us LOD who we are." And they bring out Paul, and Paul is with them in their match against DOA and just turns on him mid match. That's it. That's that's it. Like there's okay. no like build, which works for it. I'm I mean, just, yeah, yeah, but yeah it was just bald guy bald guy bald guy that's i think that's how vince Ru- vince russo has the mind of an eight-year-old and i i he has some good ideas like the rock put him way over in a tweet like a couple weeks ago saying like he wrote a lot of that shit for me and he was good he had some good ideas yeah but at, at some levels he had really bad ones. he 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 had to have that person see i heard this be said about him and I 100% agree he had to have that person tell him no that's a bad idea well yeah and on stuff that Vince McMahon didn't care about like DOA and LOD where Vince Russo has total control over something that's insignificant to the main storylines it's bad ideas yeah so I mean it's not Viagra on a pole but (laughs) it it gets the job done right so (laughs) Mr. McMahon comes out with the Stooges. You know why? Because they needed to bring out tube TVs so that the crowd could watch the dungeon match. Yes. This was a stall tactic, if I've ever seen one. And a great heel move, by the way. I mean, <laughs> reading from the program. This is Andy Kaufman reading... Uh, this is the basic of heel that you pro- you could probably ever have. Is He pulls out... <laughs> reading glasses. Put the entire fucking thing right... Here, I'm sure that the vast majority of you are just as upset as I am over the possibility of The Undertaker not performing in this very ring tonight. In the unlikely event that The Undertaker pulls a no-show, don't blame Vince McMahon. Right. Last Monday on Raw, the Stone Cold Steve Austin, who almost decapitated The Undertaker with a steel chair. Not Vince McMahon. Right again. In the past, we've seen Stone Cold Steve Austin with unseemly and grotesque hand gestures directed toward The Undertaker. That was Stone Cold, not Vince McMahon. Exactly. Stone Cold Steve Austin has provoked The Undertaker in challenging him for the WWF title at SummerSlam. That was Stone Cold, not Vince McMahon. If The Undertaker no-shows here, don't blame Vince McMahon. 
He's right, it'd be Stone Cold's fault. The blame will clearly go to one deserving individual, and that individual is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes. I can hear the logic of that. Well, he just told you. Now, many of you will note in every advertisement in which you see the WWF displayed in a newspaper, there is some fine print, and that fine print reads, card subject to change. So with that in mind, it's called a disclaimer. I would like to read from your very program here tonight. You hold this for me, Mr. Briscoe. What a guy. Yes, I will, Mr. McMahon. Hey, look at that gold case. Those glasses probably cost more in my home. I've seen your home, no doubt about it. In your program, you would note this insert. At the bottom of it, in the fine print, it states, when scheduled talent is unable to appear due to circumstances beyond the control of the promoter, that's me, Vince McMahon, the promoter, the promoter reserves the right to make a suitable substitution. So therefore, in the unlikely event that The Undertaker pulls a no-show, then I will, in fact, order a suitable substitution. Who would it be? As a matter of fact, I should introduce you to him now. Joining Stone Cold Steve Austin as his tag team partner to face Kane and Mankind in the event The Undertaker no-shows will be... The Brooklyn Brawler! What? The what? Oh, stop. The, the Brooklyn Brawler? I thought he was in jail. I think he made bail. The Brooklyn Brawler! I'm ready. What? I am Very not. Much. It's, I, it's almost as if, it's almost as if Mr. McMahon is hoping that The Undertaker doesn't show up here so that Austin has got to be a partner with the Brooklyn Brawler, for goodness sakes. He pulls out glasses. <laughs> He takes the program from his jacket. <laughs> slowly. <laughs> he slowly opens it. If you look at the bottom <laughs> of the page, it will state, The promoter, which is me, <laughs> has a right to put in a suitable replacement, which I will, if one participant cannot participate in the match. So... <laughs> He turns around and he's like, the suitable replacement will be the Brooklyn Brawler. Oh, Steve Lombardi getting a payday here tonight. So the crowd, of course, hates this. But yeah, it was beautiful. Like, it was what great. a great stall tactic. And how the fuck do you compare the Brooklyn Brawler well, I mean, to that's... The Undertaker 
That right there alone was enough to now, piss so many fucking people off. No, I mean, off. technically, Patrick, they had been in the company about the same amount of they time. Had. Like, I they mean, had. they were pretty much veterans, so, you know, if you go by, you know, veteran status, you know, I That's think true. you could make some arguments. I would have loved if Taker didn't show up, and it was Brawler and Austin. God Tag dude. team champions of the world. God. And then... Like, Taker shows up last minute, blindsides Austin or something. Well, that would have at least given you some hints of he dissension. He left him hanging. Yeah. Like, he purposely left him hanging. Or send the brawler out there to start the match, but then, I mean, you can make up the rules yeah. as you go. Yeah. And just Taker comes out and rips brawler down, tags in, they win the belts. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Still, though, that'd been great. <laughs> to actually incorporate him in that match... That you know how oh, many Kane would have beat the shit out of Oh him. god yeah. And Austin would have been pissed and Austin would have hit a stunner on him and been like, you know what, I'll do this shit myself. Something. It would just it would have been awesome. I just think it's hilarious they drug out these tube TVs like that oh, sucks. Yeah. Like that must Well been... who the fuck can see it from back in like the fourteenth row? I know, because even if there's a screen up above, you can't it's not there's not a screen looking down. Yeah. But, like, these TVs weren't big screen TVs. These were, like, no, 27 No, it's, it's like TV. half the size of the desk we're sitting at. <laughs> I mean, it's literally... No, it was... But yeah. this reminded me of, like, WCW, because we definitely watched some matches where they drug out the TVs, like, for oh, the yeah. King of the Road match yeah. and shit like yeah. that. Like, this looked like yeah, it's amateur like hour. Yeah. It's like you said, 27-inch tube TVs, and so... So, just... card subject to change, folks. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but, you know, like you said, had that match gone on before the bikini contest, no one would have complained. Oh, Brooklyn no. Brawler was there instead of Undertaker. No. So, Brawler gets booed. I personally stood up and clapped. I said, this is, <laughs> I was, I wanted this replacement. This is what I want. You were actually getting in, getting excited. I was getting, ready. Yes. Yeah. Well, it would be our first. It would be our first brawler match that we had seen on this. Review I have show. yet to see a Brooklyn Brawler match. <laughs> he is. I've He's seen, an enigma. <laughs> I, yes, I have seen Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. I have seen all his. Uh, I've yet. To You've see, seen the Gambler. I've seen the. Ga- I have yet to fucking see. I, sh- I showed you Fantasio or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen Duke the Dumpster. We've seen Damien Demento. Yes. We've seen all the jobbers, pretty but much. But I have yet to see a Brooklyn Brawler match. Well, we one week we'll do the best of the Brawler. There you that go. should be a collection on the that network. That should be a Coliseum home video exclusive. Oh, no. If they had actually released a video called Best of the Brooklyn Brawler, I would want that. That would be my number one video ever. <laughs> or like a document. He's in like he's in a lot of those documentaries that he they is. put out in the mid-2000s because they just didn't have anyone else from that time to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. And he's, so he's he shows up in all these like documentaries about yeah. like Taker and like Austin and everybody. It's always like cut to Steve Lombardi talking yeah. about Monday Night Wars. Oh, Steve Lombardi, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So And he still he still shows up and stuff on rare occasions, even now though. Yeah, he just got fired a couple of years. We talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. I mean he had a long run and uh still gets uh, the occasional phone call, so good for him. Oh, he might oh be my God. Scenic City Invitational. We should fucking book him to be on here. I'm sure he, for a nominal fee. I don't think he demands the $10,000 that Undertaker does, but I bet he's not cheap. Honestly. That's true. We go to Stu Hart's Dungeon, a pre-tape match. 
Ken Shamrock. We are actually in the Heart Fame. Let me specify yeah. this. This is the actual dungeon where the likes of Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Anvil, Mark Henry. Mark, Mark Henry did come He from. did train. Really? In the dungeon, yes. No shit. Yeah. Him and Chris Benoit trained in the same place. Can Chris you Chris Benoit. Oh, don't even. Don't. <laughs> Chris Benoit. Uh, Chris Jericho. Lance British, Storm. British Bulldog. British Bulldog. Dynamite Kid. Yeah. Yeah. Just a huge. Tyson, Tyson Kid, Natalia. A I mean, huge plethora of legendary talent. I believe. Bro- broke uh, their teeth. On this, in this exact junkyard dog, Piper was up there a lot. Yeah, a lot of people came through. Andre didn't train there, but I mean, a lot of wrestlers came through the Hart House. Yeah, they talk about it quite a bit. So I thought it was very nice here of uh, Stu and Helen, since their son had that whole ordeal in Montreal, to allow them to go ahead and use the base. I wonder if they were just out for the day, and Owen was just like, get the crew in here, get the crew in here. Exactly. Um, So we go to Stu Hart's dungeon. Now, what I thought was hilarious is, okay, so Owen and Dan Severn, who's going to ref this match, is a submission-only match in the dungeon. They're already downstairs, and so Ken Shamrock gets an entrance. Yes. The door to the kitchen. They play his music in the arena for him to come down the stairs from the kitchen to enter the dungeon. Yes, so he gets an entrance in the dungeon. Owen immediately double-legs him. It's a submission match. Owen goes for a knee bar and it gets reversed. Owen gets thrown to the wall. These were vicious throws against the wood paneling wall. Dude. And if it's like my wood paneling here, like, there's occasionally there's like nails sticking up from where it's holding it against the, the wood. Yeah. Like, this sucked. This looked like it really sucked. Oh, they- man, there was no good to that shit. Like, that that wood was not bowing or anything. When you smacked it, you were just it's like hitting brick. Yeah, it looked like it really sucked. Yeah. Owen gets thrown to the wall and then thrown to the mat. Owen gets chucked into the wall a couple more times before he lands a spinning heel kick and gets some ground and pound in on Ken Shamrock. Owen tosses Shamrock into the wall this time, hits a German suplex to him. Then Shamrock throws Owen into the wall again. Owen, though, he's got home field advantage. He uses the pipe that runs across, the, the drainage pipe that runs across the ceiling he uses it, he grabs it, and then he drop kicks Shamrock off of it and hits a Hurricane Rana using this pipe. Brilliant. So, uh, yeah. He knows his own house. Exactly. Brilliant. Uses the environment to his advantage. Owen gets tossed then into the weight shelf. He didn't anticipate this, though, so he <laughs> probably should have cleared out the weight shelf. Yeah. Before. Well, they actually helped him later on, so <laughs> Shamrock stomps Owen in the corner of the dungeon. Owen power bombs Shamrock off the pipe which was awesome. He whips Shamrock into the pipe. He knocks Shamrock's head through the ceiling, which already had holes in it, but it had one more from Ken Shamrock's head. So, uh, sorry, Stu. We're going to need a new ceiling in the basement. Then he slaps on the sharpshooter, but Shamrock rolls it into the ankle lock, but immediately gives up. He whips Owen into the walls again. Then he decks Dan Severn with a kick accidentally. It was meant for Owen. And then... Owen sees his opportunity, grabs a weight from the weight shelf, a dumbbell, and just clobbers Ken Shamrock's head. And so Ken Shamrock is unconscious, and so is Dan Severn. And so Owen crawls over to Shamrock, 
grabs his hand and makes Ken Shamrock's hand tap. And Dan Severn just looks over to his right and is like, okay, he's taps out, he's wetter. And there you go. And then Owen goes upstairs and gets some lunch. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I thought that... Um, Stu- or, I mean, uh, Helen Hart had a glass of milk and some cookies waiting on him. So. Well, as, as Piper complained about, only one slice of bologna on that bologna sandwich, so... Yeah. Had some big problems, but, uh, yeah, so, for this four-minute match, you're right, it was intense. It's intense. It's great, man. It is great. It's better than any House of Horrors match, you know. Oh, it's God, yeah. Any other pre-tape match that they've done, this is way better than King of the Road. Oh, I mean, yeah. Any any pre-tape match that we've seen where they're on location, I think this is probably the best, I would say, that yeah. we've seen. I mean... This match still sticks out in my mind before this is why I picked this pay-per-view because I love this fucking match and it's only four minutes long but it is so entertaining and like the power bomb and it's spot, violent the power bomb spot you know you look at it and you're like oh well there's padding there there's not fucking padding there that is a concrete slab and all he did was put a green vinyl. Yeah, it's like a stretchy material. Stretch cover over it. There's not. There, it's not a pad. There's no cushions. There's no nothing. That's why people complained about it being so fucking hard. And literally, Ken Shamrock took a power bomb onto this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I mean, yeah. Like, who the f- both of them both yeah. of them taking bumps off this thing and then hitting the walls just oh those oh my god going through the fucking ceiling oh Ken Shamrock is in both of these guys I mean especially Shamrock to, ha- to say okay yeah you can put my head through the ceiling yeah and then yeah. slam me on concrete yeah and then hit me with a dumbbell don't hold back just throw me up onto the water pipe for the hell of it too just a little throw that on there too I mean dude this match for the four minutes it is legendary. If you could put a match in a Hall of Fame, in the WWE Hall of Fame, this should be first ballot. Wow, very, very high praise for it. I love this match. I think it's it's a great match for us at home. It would suck for the people in the oh, arena. Oh, yeah, but I mean... Fuck them. <laughs> if they did a DVD of on-location matches... That's a great idea for like a collection. Yeah, yeah. If they did that, or like weird... Because they'd have like a lot of WCW shit. Yeah. But yeah. like WWF would have a few like graveyard matches and the House right. of Horrors we've right. already mentioned. and But this, this the, is... The Hardy Compound and... But, you know, well, the, what was the, the hardcore uh, brawl or whatever in, or that, in a, that damn... A, uh, Austin in the grocery store with Booker T. Oh, that's pretty high up there too, <laughs> That's pretty fucking awesome. I don't think that was a match, though. That was just them beating each other's ass. <laughs> True. But what was the... Uh, they're in the junkyard. And oh, the, the junkyard invitational. Yes, the junkyard oh, invitational. The hardcore invitational. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. That was awful. That was bad, dude. This is way better than this, that. This is the... This literally is the highest rated on location match you probably will ever see. I think I have to put it... It's definitely in the top ten. Like, I just... I don't have a good memory right now of other on-location matches that I can dial up that are better than this one. Yeah. But even if they edited stuff in here, like, the edits were clean. Like, it it didn't look too choppy. No, it it looked very smooth. It literally looked like start to finish, one cameraman, here you go, nonstop. And you didn't hear talking. You didn't hear... 
Like, it was done. I thought it was uh, really awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. It really was awesome. I love this fucking match. Yeah, and I didn't know that this match had happened. I had totally forgotten about this, because when you, when you approached me about this pay-per-view... I thought you meant the Lions Den match, and that right. happens at SummerSlam. Right. And there were a couple of those. And so that's what I thought you meant. I didn't know they actually went up to yeah, the Yeah, because I said and- the dungeon match, and you're like, you mean the Lions Den? I'm like, no, the dungeon match. And you're like, what the fuck? So you look it up. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit. But yeah. it's still, dude, it's a great, it's a great match. So, uh, we smash cut back to the arena, so we're missing something else here on the network version. And DX is out to a huge pop. And then the nation comes out to huge booze. These two factions just at war. The nation of domination. Yeah. This is for the IC title. Well, this is this is the best version of the nation. The, the real nation, not PG-13 with Savio Vega and Crush. Sorry, guys. Uh, this is the best version of the nation. And uh, this is for the... the- Rock, D-Lo. Let's specify. The Rock, D-Lo. Godfather. Godfather, Mark Henry... And Farouk. Well, Farouk this had already been kicked Farouk, out. But yeah. That's the best version of the nation, is those five right there. Yeah, well, I mean, Farouk founded the nation. He was well, yeah. overthrown by The Rock. This is for the IC title. It was to be a title for title match, but you see, The Rock fucked you out of that, guys. Sorry. <laughs> he screwed Triple H over on Raw's War. So his friend, D'Lo, could have a belt. That was nice, because so he could have picked D-Lo up. D'Lo could become... The European champion. The longest running European champion of all time, I do believe. That title change was probably from when Hunter won it off the finger poke of doom off yeah. that Christmas Raw. So yeah. he had had it for quite a while. Right. So it was time to get that fucker off him. <laughs> Slaughter, Commissioner Slaughter, makes everyone leave except China. She has a manager's license, so she is allowed to stay. I missed the enforcement of the manager's license. Exactly. That's a huge huge prop this is a 2 out of 3 falls match but there is a time limit so wonder if that'll come into play both Rock and Hunter exchange strikes JR mentions the time limit hmm China gets a forearm in behind the ref's back huge China chance she was the most over of DX tonight out of all these guys they brawl in the aisle way and Hunter slams Rock on the concrete no ramp no ramps ramps are for losers yeah uh, they take way more than the 10 seconds. Mike Kyoto is very generous here to the two combatants. Hunter brings Rock back to the ring, but he just rolls right back out. He just does not want to wrestle tonight. He throws Hunter into the steps. Rocky sucks chance get going. Hunter hits a swing neck breaker, follows it up with a snap suplex, and then the knee drop to a downed Rock gets a near fall. They do chops in the corner. Hunter does the Harley race bump to the floor, and then they brawl in the entryway again. Rock snaps suplexes Hunter on the ring mats. That was nice of him instead of the concrete. Mark Henry comes out behind Kyoto's back and splashes Hunter. Then Billy Gunn comes out and takes Mark Henry away. After all this, Rock only gets a two count on Hunter. Rock hits a swing neck breaker for a two count. Rock slaps on a chin lock for ages. He was watching the clock. Hunter brawls out of it but eats a clothesline for a two count. Rock chokes Hunter with camera cables, so he just wants a DQ. Just get me out of here. Title can't change in a two out of three falls match, Patrick. What happens if you get DQ'd two times? Just two straight DQs. You keep your title. I think you do too. Keep so Rock title. had a good strategy here. Yeah. 
Rock misses a float over DDT, fucks it up. And I had to I had to go through the rule the rule book encyclopedia and make my own judgment call. I'd say he keeps it. Yeah, because I mean that's just the general rule is doesn't change hands on a DQ or, yeah. or a countout. So, but two out of three falls. Now, if you got one DQ and then a pinfall, then it would change hands. I think. Yes. Or do you need another pinfall? I don't know. This is getting too complicated. Rock misses a float over DDT, fucks it up. He just turns it into a normal one for a two count, goes right back to that chin lock. Hunter finally wakes up, goes on offense with strikes and his high knee. Rock hits the stun gun to Hunter. Both men are down. Godfather comes down. No hose. The outlaws run him off. Rock and Kyoto get into it because The Rock wants to pose, and Kyoto's like, you can't pose here. You can't pose. This allows D'Lo to fail to attack Hunter. He gets crotched on the rope and takes a belt shot from Hunter. The European title is used against him, so D'Lo looks like an idiot here. Hunter, though, stumbles into a rock bottom, so D'Lo did kind of help out by fucking up. And rock bottom, fall number one, goes to The Rock. Hunter gets a minute to recover, and Rock immediately wants to brawl on the outside, and Hunter clotheslines him. They get back in the ring. People's elbow. That gets a two count. Hunter clotheslines Rock to slow him down. China beats down D'Lo. Kyoto is distracted with China. X-Pac hits an X-Factor to the Rock. Not getting this move over strong because Hunter only gets a near fall from X-Pac's finisher. Hunter brings in a chair. Rock accidentally decks Kyoto with the chair. Then China gets in the ring, low blows the Rock, and DDTs him on the chair. Hunter gets a pinfall from this, and it's all tied up. One minute countdown. It expires, but Kyoto is getting carried away by the other ref, so there's no ref. So Hunter wants another pinfall out of this as soon as the bell rings, but there's no one to count. So Earl Hebner runs down, but Rock kicks out at two. Two minutes left in this match, they brawl on the outside. Hunter hits his knee face buster, a clothesline, and gets a near fall. Rock hits a Samoan drop for a two. Then we got 30 seconds left. Hunter blocks the rock bottom, then pedigrees the rock. Goes for the cover, but Earl, this fucking heel, the bell has not rung yet, and he refuses to count and says, time has expired, my friend. And then the bell rings. Now, Patrick, going back to the ref's handbook, had time not expired yet, do you start a count? Do you continue the count? Like, if there are, say there are two seconds left, and you start your count, at the at the first second. And then the bell rings and does your count count after the bell rings or no? Does talking the, about do I hit the three count before the bell rings? No, say the bell interrupts your three count. Does it count? No. Okay, so your count stops with if the bell. My count stops with the bell. Okay, but if the bell has not rung, shouldn't you start a count at least? Yes. Okay, so I just think Earl was in the wrong here for not even... Earl did. Earl should have started a count knowing full well he was not going to be able to finish the count. All Hunter did was bounce around the ring for The Rock here. Oh, Rock God, was on yeah. offense the entire time. Oh, yeah. Hunter did very, very little and would be rewarded at SummerSlam when they had a ladder match, a very good ladder match at SummerSlam. Highway to hell. Highway to hell, that's right. But unfortunately... What that meant for Hunter was that The Rock was being pushed to main event level after that. So, very good match. This was better than a Raw match. This is a pay-per-view worthy match. Unfortunately, the finish, a letdown because just have Rock. I mean, The Rock did sneak away, but it it was a time limit. Time limit finish. I, I 
should be used very sparingly. That Sting and Flair match or whatever that ended in a time limit or like Flair and Steamboat, like huge matches that go like 60 minutes, like back and forth that like you're actually running out of TV time or something. I think that's when you can use it and get away with it. But in the middle of like just a mid card. Well, an Iron Man. We sell that a time. Well, well, they go to sudden death. Yeah. Well, but even then. Oh, yeah. Like if you didn't be like, listen, no man was the victor. Time limit. Yeah, I think if you go in knowing that, and I don't think this crowd knew that, yeah. so I think that's kind of bullshit. Hey, card subject to change. That's right. We'll get Vince out here to read you your program again. That's right. Which, by the way, in 98, they had some shitty programs. This thing was like, <laughs> it was like, it was like on printer paper. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> uh, so I really like this match. You know, a little uh, side it, note, though, if you bought a program back in the uh, early 2000s for live events, and I'm believing it's the same way even in the uh, 90s, I still, you got a, you got an actual program book, but you got the run list for that night so you knew what match was coming up next and yada 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 but at the bottom it actually did say card subject to change so I have every single one of those dated and everything um, from events that I've you're like at. a regular Jim Cornette I yeah well I don't I I have <laughs> I have a very you're big, working on it I have a very big historical library but I do not have that much Cornette is the master upon masters of legendary libraries. I thought this match worked also because it got all the members of the nation, all the members of the DX involved, and they're all all over, you know, they're all popular. Quick little boom, boom, and out. It wasn't a long, drawn-out something. They were in, they were out, boom, go. Match ends, nation and DX brawl. Then Hunter gets his music played, even though he lost the match. So, because the DX music is good. So we play that, and Rock walks to the back holding his title high here. <laughs> I love the Rock when he sneaks away with wins. His reactions are just awesome. Kevin Kelly informs us, "Hey, Undertaker showed up." I don't know if the crowd knew this though, so they were probably still thinking Brooklyn Brawler is going to be out later tonight. <laughs> Rock, amazingly, oh, this is a Coliseum exclusive, I think. Because we go to The Rock. The Rock's already leaving the arena. He's yeah, Rock and D'Lo's gone. Yeah, Rock and D'Lo are walking out to the car. Oh, well, well, it's a camera crew. Well, it's going to be part of the show everybody wants to see. It's The Rock, the people's champ, leaving the arena, leaving fully loaded the Intercontinental champ. And I'll tell you what, Triple H, you have your sidekick, China. She interferes. She wants to give The Rock a DDT on a chair, but it doesn't really matter. One, two, three, so what? The fact of the matter is this, is that The Rock took you and your powder puff ass and planted you right in the middle of the ring with The Rock bottom. One, two, three. And on top of all that, The Rock is leaving the Intercontinental Champion, as we all know, the best damn Intercontinental Champ there ever was. And I'll tell you what, Triple H, if you want to go one-on-one with The Rock one more time, we'll scratch that itch, because The Rock will make you famous if you smell what The Rock is cooking. Rock says he's the best, and D'Lo just shakes his head. You better recognize. Up next, your favorite part, the tale of the tape for the bikini contest between Jacqueline and Sable. Gang! Hey, Sable! I got something to tell you, girlfriend. My man, before he met me, been deprived for a very long time. Oh! You got that story all wrong. You know, she looked real good. 
Cobra to keep his tank full. Honey, this body is primo real estate. How many times have you rented it out? The difference between you and me is that I'm 100% woman. Honey, you ain't nothing but a tramp. Why don't you prove it? Show it off in a bikini contest. Put it this way, JR. Um, the suit that I'm going to be wearing at Fully Loaded is going to make this suit that I wore at the Slammies, if you can remember that one, oh, look like an evening gown. <laughs> Let's face it, Sal. How many pounds can you lose in six days? I thought I would come down here and check out my competition. I can't imagine what she could have been thinking when she actually challenged me to a bikini contest. You know, there are always liposuction, but you don't want to take a chance and let the surgeon let the air out of the wrong place. Be careful! Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Chest to chest, nose to nose. Well, chest to chest anyway. I want to be in the ring. Dustin Runnels is out first to lead us in prayer. He's coming very soon. The return of Gold Dust, not the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I was wondering if you could all just take a second and bow your heads in prayer with me, please. Dustin Runnels is here, obviously. Lord God, our Father in heaven, I ask you, Lord, to please forgive these hopeless lost souls about what they're fixing to partake in, this bikini contest. I ask for you to shun them away from the evil, from Satan. I ask you to reach your giant, loving, caring arms down. Hold everyone in this building and everyone watching in TV land around this world today. Close their eyes and make them see the inside that you love. And you care, Lord God, in your precious, holy, sweet name. Amen. And, and folks, now remember, I have to say this. The Messiah is coming very soon, so you better get ready for him. Then Jerry Lawler introduces Jacqueline, who's out with Mark Merrow. Sable is out next. She's in a t-shirt. And then Jackie goes first. She takes her robe off. She has a Mark Merrow robe, and she has a very tiny bikini on and dances to Mark Merrow's music, and then her boob briefly slides out of the bikini. So technically, had this crowd been paying attention and had not just... I mean, Sable was the face and was always, oh, she's so beautiful, and just every week, just Sable, Sable, Sable. So no one was paying attention that you actually got bare boob from Jackie. <laughs> so her boob slipped out for a second, she gets booed. Boo! Fuck you, lady. Even though her bikini was very revealing. It was like, look, I know what Sable was about to do, but this wasn't much different, really. Like, there was very little to the imagination. Like, yeah, that when the tag on how to wash it is the biggest piece of cloth, there's a problem. Yeah, so Lawler says, how did she do? By a round of applause. Boo! Like, 
what are, what are these people say? Like, Jackie's a very good-looking lady. I don't understand. We never got a winner here in this, by the way, just FYI. Well, Mr. McMahon put a stop to this exactly. madness. He yeah. let it go on for too... I mean, he Too did, long. Yeah. Too long. Sable then takes off her shirt to reveal, uh-oh, she's just wearing a tube top and a thong. Boo! Fuck you, lady. That's not what we paid for. Lawler says, hey, that's not what you had on earlier. Then Sable cuts a promo on Mr. McMahon... And this leads me to believe that they wanted to pair Austin and Sable together. Which would have been great. Which would have been weird. Really? Yeah, because the Texas Rattlesnake... We know what happened when Deborah got involved, but like... <laughs> the Texas Rattlesnake works alone. Don't DTA, don't trust anybody. So he would not have a lady at his side. It's just not in his really? character. You don't think so? I don't think so. And I think when he was with Deborah, I think it kind of hurt his character a little bit because our hero can't have a playboy playmate at his side. He's supposed to be the everyman, you know? He's not supposed to have... He's supposed to be the working man. That is true. And the working man does not have Sable by their side 24-7. Right. But I think that's the direction they were clearly wanting to go here. Um, Sable says, Mr. McMahon said, I gotta wear something conservative. And this is not my idea, conservative. I got my ideas of my own. Anything can happen on live TV, and there's nothing Vince can do about this. Very well done, sir. She's got a very southern drawl. She does. It's weird uh, when she speaks. Yes. So she removes her shirt, and oh my goodness, her boobs have hands painted on them. And Lawler has his second heart attack of the he night. He loses his... He loses his fucking mind. Literally. Ja- he is shaking. In mid-air, <laughs> He's going shaking. Indian. He's a cartoon character. Yes. yes. He has lost his mind. He literally has lost Mark Marrow, Sable's husband, wants her to cover up, so he tries to put the robe around her, and Sable just decks him right in the face. So Sable says she wins. Well... Lawler declares her the victor, even though he didn't poll the crowd. Either I, I missed that part. Yeah, I think Jr. might have said no contest here or something yeah, I was like say, that. I missed that part. Then the evil Mister McMahon, boo, puts his sport coat on her and they leave. Then Marrow declares Jackie the winner. Then we replay the whole thing just in case you didn't see it. <laughs> then we get some exclusive Coliseum home video exclusive footage here as we go backstage and Jackie goes into Sable's dressing room to give her a piece of her mind. Time for our main event of the evening. Who who do you think won? I'm just curious. Now, to be honest, to be fair, Sable did not have on a bikini, by definition. <laughs> oh, you're going technicalities on... Okay. Yeah, I'm by the rules. You're by the rules, okay. That was not a bikini. Okay. That was body paint. It was not a body paint contest. Technically, what Jackie had on connected... You could say that was a one-piece. It was a one-piece. So neither of them actually had bikinis on. Exactly. So no one won. So no one won. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) But this was the most promoted thing on this card, honest to God. (laughs) It really was. (laughs) I'm surprised it's not on the cover of the tape. It's actually Hunter doing the crotch chop. It should be the tail of the tape right there with both of these episodes. Well, we see what happened at King of the Ring, where oh. Austin lost his first blood match, oh. won the belt back the next night. You know the story here. You may have cost Steve Austin the WWF Championship. The Undertaker's got a chair! Oh! Undertaker's chairman Austin! Oh, God! 
that the World Wrestling Federation could not contain. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute! What? It's the Undertaker! A man from the dark side is back with evil and nasty intentions! You evil, diabolical excuse for a human being. Since the two of you are so hell-bent to get it on, at Fully Loaded, Austin, you and Undertaker will face the tag team of Kane and Mankind. Oh, wow! But the road to Stone Cold and the Phenom's tag team destiny has been fully loaded with questions of where the Undertaker's loyalty lies. Are you and your brother Kane in cahoots? Me, damn it! You can go to hell. Inside cradle. That'll be it. That'll be all. There's Whoa, Austin. Wait a minute. Whoa. Undertaker. Undertaker. Pull Austin out. That's got to answer your question right there. The Undertaker and Kane. Is it going to be you and me against two opponents? Or is it going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin against three opponents? All I want to know is where the hell you're coming from. you look at it i'm rolling in to fully loaded to beat somebody's ass whether i got help or not oh the fight is on it's mankind and king against stone cold steve austin and austin's gonna be irate that the undertaker left the arena this was supposed to be the undertaker's matchup oh look who's here here comes the undertaker the undertaker is now what is it austin's he's corner. In corner he's in austin's corner wait a minute
Mankind, like I said, is sort of in no man's land here. He's background fodder to this whole thing. Well, he's background to a lot of shit because he's still hurting like hell from going off the top of the cell and then through the fucking cell only three weeks ago. Knocking his teeth out. Yeah. Taker is out to my favorite version of his theme song, the guitar riff version. Then he's followed by the champ, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who gets a Stone Cold Steve Austin reaction. Still rocking a huge elbow pad on that staph-infected elbow. You know, we discussed it when we did King of the Ring 98. Uh, He did the first blood match, right? Yeah. But he had a staph infection. Yeah. That's a little bit stupid. Oh, it's very stupid and dangerous. Well, and that's why Kane was so covered up. Remember, like, he... He had quit wearing that sleeve, but he had full sleeve and gloves on. Like, yeah. he didn't take any chances. Yeah. Like, I mean, as much as you could do. I mean, you're still in there with a dude that's bleeding, that's going to bleed. Yeah. Yeah, that's very dangerous. Yeah. I mean, Chris Candido basically died from a staph infection. I mean, ultimately. He, like, broke, his, he broke his leg. Yeah. And laid up in the hospital, right? And that's how he got his staph infection and died, just like three days after breaking it. Yeah, so, yeah, this is very stupid. I, I'm i sure it had cleared up somewhat. I mean, this elbow pad was nothing like he had on No, it was King not fully wrapped the way it was at King of the Ring, but still. He needed some time off, I mean, but you're, go- you're full speed ahead. You're in the... I mean, it was still the... WCW had slipped, but they hadn't slipped that much, so... You need him out so, there. So, Dr. Intern Alex, um, what exactly is a staph infection and how serious is it? Staph infections are caused by bacteria found usually on the skin or in the nose of even healthy individuals. Most of the time, these bacteria have no problems and uh, result in relatively minor skin infections. But staph infections can turn deadly if the bacteria invade deeper into your body Entering your bloodstream, joints, bones, lungs, or heart, a growing number of otherwise healthy people are developing life-threatening staph infections. So there you go. Treatment usually involves antibiotics and drainage of the infected area. However, some staph infections no longer respond to antibiotics, so... In all seriousness, though, I've heard of uh, indie wrestlers getting staph infection from uh, not wrestling on clean mats. Yeah, yeah. That is, clean ropes and clean mats. Transmitted by sweat and blood and everything else. Yeah, a wrestling ring being wiped down and cleaned, this is... That's why they change the mat so much now, where they used to just let you... This is something that a lot of fans don't know, is uh, it is very... It's very important before shows and after shows to bleach and uh, wipe down as much of the ring ropes and the ring pads and the mat as you possibly can. Uh, if you can even take it off and have it cleaned, it's very important. So, Austin and Taker get met on the entryway by Kane and Mankind. Austin wants to start with Mankind. He flips off Taker to let his intentions known that I don't like you either. Snap suplex Mankind, then Kane comes in with Austin. Thez press and punches, then the elbow to Kane. Stunner blocked. Kane bails to the outside. Austin goes to get Kane, rams his head into Mankind's head. Then Taker gets the tag to go against his brother Kane. Will he go against him? Yes, he will. Russian leg sweep and Taker flips off Austin. Then Mankind comes in. Taker splashes him in the corner. Hits old school. Mankind gets a few strikes on him before Taker goes back on offense. Kane gets the tag. Choke slams Taker. Mankind then takes back over. Hits a running knee to Taker in the corner. Paul Bear says, Damn you to... Damn you to hell, Undertaker! Mankind lands the double arm DDT, but Austin breaks the count. Mankind attempts his apron elbow... 
to Undertaker, but Austin interrupts it and shoves him into the Spanish announce table. Jeez, guys, give this guy a break, please. And Taker back body drops him on the ring mats. Then they get in the ring and Taker DDTs mankind. Austin wants the hot tag. Kane accidentally shoves Taker into Austin, so he gets it. Stomps a mud hole in Kane and mankind. Taker slides a chair in for Austin, who decks Kane in the head. Just slams it into Kane's head for a near fall. Austin, though, gets snake eyes on the guardrail by Kane. Kane and Mankind get the heat on Austin. Austin fires up, takes Mankind and himself out with a clothesline. Kane gets the tag, drops a leg on Austin, chokes Austin with his boot. Choke slam to Austin. Austin slips out of a tombstone, stuns Kane, but Mankind comes in and hits the mandible claw, but eats a stunner as well. Austin is down, but Taker. That prick will not reach out for the hot tag <laughs> until he just does. He has a change of heart. He just decides, okay, sure. I guess I've been fighting this long. I guess I'll tag in. He gets it, cleans house, choke slams Kane, choke slams mankind, tombstones Kane. Austin nails mankind, and Austin and Taker are the tag champs as Taker pins his brother. Is he working with his brother, Patrick? Is there any bit of dissension you sensed in this match whatsoever? Maybe. <laughs> no, no, no! This stunk. This does not lead you to believe that they're working together at no. all. He tombstoned him, yes, and won the belt. However, he leaves with both belts. He leaves, but later on at Highway to Hell, they are working together. No, he turns him down. He gets offered the help. Okay, yeah, that's true. Taker like says, "No, no, no! I got to do this for myself." Kane fucks over mankind though. Uh, and Mankind has to fight in a handicap match yeah. with the belts, because yeah. they get the belts back, of course, because yeah. that's what happens. But but no, Undertaker leaves. He leaves with both tag belts. Yeah, is he going to give one to Kane that he just tombstoned? Is he going to give one to Mankind? Does he just want to fight? Does he just want to be the tag champs himself, one guy? I mean, he basically cleaned house himself. That's true. Didn't need Austin. That's true. See you at SummerSlam. The highway to hell is... On its way. One of the best hype videos they ever did with the ACDC song, by the way. So, uh, this main event was... Okay. I can't get hyped for tag main events with this. So, what what should have been the main event, Alex? Oh, out of this bunch? I guess the bikini contest. <laughs> uh, there really wasn't a lot of good matches on this card that I would say could main event a card. But you're coming off of so much momentum from King of the Ring... You didn't need to sell matches. Like, the matches weren't selling. Please. please. Raw was selling this pay-per-view, so it didn't matter what you put on. It Like, Vince, Vince perfectly, in his promo earlier tonight, summed it up perfectly. He could have brought out the Brooklyn Brawler. He could have done whatever, because the product was so hot at this time. The summer of 98 was the hottest time in wrestling. That's true. And... It didn't matter what they did. No. Everything they touched turned to gold. So, yeah. yeah, was this was this tag match like main event quality? Like, would like on a scale of like one to five stars? Like, would it? No, I'd give it like two stars probably because um, it it didn't further the storyline really between yeah. Austin and Taker and the dissension and maybe he's working with Kane and and Mankind was just there like yeah. he had nothing going on. So, um. But like I said, they could sell it. You got my thirty bucks. You got my thirty dollars. Yeah. If I had bought, if I had seen even the highlights from Hell in a Cell last month, you got me. I'm hooked. I'm in. So, 
Didn't need to. Didn't need to do much. Well, they topped Hell in a Cell by having Sable get topless. So I mean, <laughs> almost topless. I mean, hands. That's <laughs> pretty much topless, brother. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's no May Young. No, right? God, thank, thank God. For those of who I'm about to offend, I apologize in advance. Uh, if you're going to sit down and watch Fully Loaded '98, start it. Right at the dungeon match. I'd start it and end it at the dungeon match, honestly. Really? Not the two out of three falls with Rock and, and Triple H? Had a much better match at SummerSlam. So true. They've had much better matches in general. True. They had a long feud. The bikini match. No. The bikini contest? Really? Patrick, we live in the age of the internet, and uh, there's lots of hey, stuff Hey, listen, there. 98, it was dial-up, damn it. You did the best know, you could yeah. with what you had. <laughs> So that doesn't do much for me. So fucked up. I thought the main event was halfway decent, uh, the tag match. I personally started at the dungeon. And I feel so bad for saying that because there's so many great talent before that part. But, I mean, especially the likes of Terry Funk. But I just, it didn't do it for me. And if I'm saying that, that speaks volumes. Yeah, I'm shocked to hear you <laughs> I mean, say that because I knew I thought out of when I was watching this, I'm like, this match kind of sucks, but it's got Terry Funk in it, so I know he's gonna like this. <laughs> but yeah, it just it doesn't start for me until the dungeon. Okay, well, yeah, I agree. That's the only match that I really enjoyed, and it's four minutes. Yeah. So instead of two hours and forty minutes, you can spend four. And if you wanted just a Vince, good Vince McMahon promo. I'd watch that. That's Those true. are my two recommendations. That's true. That's true. Uh, so on our scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, fully loaded in your house, 1998. Triple D Sable. I'm going to take Jacqueline. <laughs> I did that was fucking coming. Uh, uh, yeah, so we're, we're pretty squared away there. We're here closing out April. It's uh, Easter weekend, and that Easter really brings in the spring. And so that makes me want to do a spring stampede, and we've only done 1999, so that was DDP's crowning moment as champion. We'll see his breakout moment in 1997's WCW spring stampede when Hogan decided to take a pay-per-view off. They decided to have DDP headline against Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, man. Is this the... uh... No DQ match. God... This is a great match. Oh, this is what this is what got DDP over, I think, to yes. a large extent. I mean, yes. He, he was already like friends this. with Nash and Hall and by not joining the NWO that I mean, in 90s it's just insane to think about where DDP was in 96 compared to where he got in 97. Like Yeah. And then beyond that, like yeah. I mean, he was fucking wrestling Johnny B Bad in 95. Yeah. The '96, you started to see the the the, the upward turn. mobility, but then this this match was what really I think. And the storyline behind this is they're picking on Kimberly for being in Playboy, right? And he's defending his wife's honor, which is what leads up to you know him and Savage having this no host barred, no DQ. Well, and Miss Elizabeth is pure and not well, exactly. You know, she's not scandalous yeah. like. Yeah. Kimberly Page. Exactly, yes. But it also opens up with a good match between Rey Mysterio and Ultimate Dragon, and then there's a lot of other good uh, matches on here, so... God, I can't wait for next week, because this is a great match. I think this is a good WCW pay-per-view, when typically 
like we always say about WCW, like if you could take their undercard in the WWF main event, you'd have perfect pay-per-views. But I think this one actually delivers almost all the way through, of course. Yeah, even the main event. The main event, this is the best main event delivered, I truly believe, in WCW history. Or up there in the top five. I think this is the best that 97 probably delivered because yeah. Starcade was a huge letdown. That was the most anticipated. I mean, that's the most bought pay-per-view in WCW. Yeah, it was anticipated, but I just don't think it... Delivered. In, no. Not like this match. No, this over-delivered. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> Randy went out of his way to over-deliver, and that's that's one reason I just love Randy Savage. For two so guys, and, and it's been talked about, two guys that love to to go play by play. Oh, ride out every bit of their match. Backstage. And then go out there and perform. These two, you know they were on the same wavelength. Oh, yeah. Backstage doing this before they even hit the damn curtain to go out. And I think these two work so well together because of that fact. Well, I remember in, I mean, at DDP's Hall of Fame speech, how much he put Macho Man over and said... Well, looks like I'm taking the diamond cutter tonight, brother. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, like, yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Like, yeah, because Hogan would never have no put DDP. No, in. that's no. what's so cool about Savage, though, man. Savage would Savage knew when it was right and when it was wrong, and Savage was great about that. I'm sure he was protective of his spot to a certain degree, but like, yeah. I mean, he saw all the potential that DDP had, and. I mean, for as late in the game as DDP became a wrestler, I mean, time was running out on DDP yeah. to, to get to He the wasn't going to have a 30-year career. He right, was, yeah. He was going to be very, so, very quickly... Yeah, we need to get him on the rocket ship. So, yeah. put him over strong. So, yeah, Spring Stampede 97, the old, uh, the old wagon theme set that we love so much. Yes. <laughs> so... Uh, that'll do it for this week. Go to powerslam.tv, use the promo code Retro Wrestling, and get one month for free. That'll take you into May, courtesy of us at the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo, bingo. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.